Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. land glorious and free oh canada we stand on guard welcome everyone to the show this is the sun's hooked on wrestling and we have finally gone transatlantic tell them paul well yeah we kind of have haven't we so not content with throwing a few parties in the uk here and there We've decided to throw one in Canada for WrestleMania. Why not? And if you're going to throw one in Canada, there really is only one place to throw it. And that's the best place there is in Canada, the best place there was in Canada, and the best place there ever will be in Canada, Toronto. Uh, no, no, sorry. I mean, I mean Calgary. We're going to have a Hooked on Mania party in Calgary. How random is that? Um... Well, I'm going to, oh, what we'll do right from the start here is I'll correct you of your use of random. It's the opposite of random because you chose to do one there. Um, so apart from that, it's a bloody good idea, mate. Although, um, as everyone will know, regular listeners will know, every week um, I deride Paul for his adding more and more to his workload. And as of last week, I think we were up to something like 22 parties and I said he was insane. So he's decided to do one across an ocean uh, about seven time zones away. That'll work. Um, but um, yes, we have gone all the way to one of the most famous wrestling cities uh, in the world. We didn't quite have it fixed up last week, so when we had Dean Ayas on the podcast talking about his shows with Bret Hart, if you can, if you go back and listen to that, you can almost hear the brains in mine and Paul's heads bursting because we were so desperate to talk about Calgary, and at that time we couldn't, just in case it uh, it all went south, as it were. But we will be in the frozen north. Uh, for Hooked on Wrestling's uh, WrestleMania party, and we'll be more about that later in the show. But it's remiss of me to go any further without starting the show properly. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob McNichol, welcoming you to another podcast, as we are apparently on the fast lane to WrestleMania, although I still seem to be stuck behind a tractor in the middle lane, but we'll, uh, we'll see how we're going by Sunday. But joining me, as you can hear already, is the, uh, the dulcet tones of showbiz Paul Benson. How are you doing, Paul? I'm still OK, Rob. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's I okay. am... Uh... I'm in a hotel room uh, just by Wembley Stadium. Uh, we've got the Bammer event tomorrow night at Wembley Arena. Uh, been to the weigh-ins today and all that. So I'm, I'm finally winding down with a nice glass of red and getting to talk and all our listeners. Uh, what, uh, what red is it, mate? We have to do this properly by the book. Then again. We have to do it by the book. What, uh, what particular glass of red have you got to this evening? Uh, mate, tonight, the, while the wife is not here, the mouse will drink red wine I've actually got a full bottle tonight I am going with a barefoot Merlot it's a Californian Merlot and it's blooming lovely okay well I've got to say I've got an Argentinian Malbec here from Santa Ana which is uh, it's very nice indeed uh, but I also want to pick up on the fact that here we are recording on International Women's Day and there's Paul saying the wife 
Thanks, mate. You're uh, pushing that one another decade back. But uh, uh, joining us on the uh, on the as the third member of our team this evening, I think it's his third appearance, if I'm counting correctly. Maybe it's even more than that. But uh, we're very delighted to have with us Sportachino's Richard Parr. How you doing, Rich? I'm very good, thanks. Yes, it is my third, and I'm not on the wine. I'm on the protein shake tonight, boys. Are you really? You're on the protein <laughs> shake. You, do you want to do a plug for a particular brand of protein shake? No, because it's kind of average, so I don't want to let them down, really. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what a, what... Yeah, I think it might be exactly a year since Rich made his podcast debut with us, you know. Well, it was um, it was from Blackpool. I remember that. I remember it was yeah. a, sort of a, a very brief. Um, remember when we used to do brief podcasts, Paul? Um, it was from a, it was from a brief uh, stint um, in, in Blackpool where you two were enjoying the UK tournament, and uh, uh, I was unable to make it. Is that a year ago already? Is it? Goodness me. Yeah, I it think it was January. Last... Yeah, even more. So uh, I'm just saying, it was actually. Oh yeah, so it was more. Sorry, it was January. Yeah, it was January the fifteenth. Okay, so miles off then. So brilliant, well done. Yeah. Um, I've been loving those weekly UK Championship shows as well. <laughs> it's a strange one, isn't it? Okay, let's let's do that quickly then, because I think it is a strange one how they every now and again they seem to remember, don't they? And they suddenly go, "Whoa, brilliant! We're going to have Pete Dunne in a match on NXT, or we're going to have Tyler Bate in a match on NXT." They're clearly high on those guys, aren't they? There's clearly two or three of them, and I think I'm a Stash Mountain in the, in the tag tournament. I think yes. they are. Uh, right? Or, yeah, yes and no. Um, Pete, well, it's not a spoiler to say this because it, it's in the first round. But um, Tyler Bates got injured. All right. Um, so they were actually replaced as entrance by a tag team of Pete Dunn and Roderick Strong. Oh, okay, but okay, but originally they were in it, and now, now Pete Dunn's in it. So, so those three guys in particular, um, they seem to be high on, and they want to do stuff with. It's almost like they're they're a little bit betwixt and between. They don't know whether to go with them and do more with them, or whether to hold off and wait until they'll be in a British show you, you're the you're our TV expert Paul what's what's going on is there something in the in the making but they uh, they can't quite get it right or are they having cold feet what's happening I just think that um, they've had this time they've got the, clearly when they lost the tournament they clearly had this idea in their head it's not just been um, it's not it's not appeared out of nowhere but it, because of the ITV world of sports they've got spooked and I think they moved things forward several months or even years um, and I just don't think I had a, a goal and a game plan. Uh, they they went they did the tapings in Norwich in the summer, didn't they? I think it was, um, and they went out on the network. But it really just felt like a placeholder, just to keep the brand in mind. Um, like you say, they're, re- they're they're clearly very high on these guys. But I get the sense, and this is not coming from any sort of knowledge or you know chat with anybody. I just get the feeling. That the the plans for the UK tournament, uh, the UK show, have been kind of quietly shelled. Although they could be revived at any point, I think with the, they're, they're going to need an influx of talent into 205 Live. I think the show's been reformatted. Um, it's so much better than it was, and with the with the rumoured uh, cruiserweight tag team titles that are about to come in, they're going to need more bodies in there. And I think they also need to replace a lot of the original guys they had in there who just are devoid of personality or any real interest. So you can imagine guys like Bate and Dunn, um, Mark Andrews and guys like that being a big part of 205, a, a revamped 205 Live going forward. I suspect that's where we'll see them rather than any sort of UK vessel for now. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I suppose if they've got them and they can train them on, then if there is a spin-off, they can... Uh... 
they can go to that from there if they've already got them. Um, I'm going to roll back a little bit and just uh, retrospectively um, apologise to, to our guest because I realised I just realised I called Paul RTV expert and when on the other end of the line I have Rich who's worked for some of the biggest television networks <laughs> in the world and <laughs> produces and hosts his own television show. So what I meant was he works on Paul has worked on the uh, the tele sales side of things and putting things together whereas you're a little bit more sort of front of house and research is that fair to say mate I, I do apologize yeah and I'll, I'll be honest I, I think if anyone's got their ear to the ground it's Paul Benson so I, I think you did go in the, in the right direction there the, the, the thing which gets me though with, with this whole UK championship thing is even when they've used Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne on NXT, they've stole the show. Their, their match at TakeOver was incredible. I haven't seen their second one yet, which was on a normal NXT show. Some people have said that's even better. Why aren't these guys on proper contracts? They're still popping up in shows across the UK. Why haven't WWE signed them properly? Why aren't they permanently on the NXT brand or even on something bigger? We saw Pete Dunne in the Raw show, I think it was in Manchester maybe, perhaps it was Liverpool, I can't remember, and he, he beat up Enzo Amore, which everybody around the world loved. And why don't they just almost say, alright, even if we don't do the UK Championship, let's turn these guys into stars, because they're, they're clearly talented, or at least get them under contract. That's the bit I don't understand. It's a bit of a strange one, but um, I think um, I'm going to side on the... Uh the positive end of this particular uh, conversation in the sense that it's just it's just good that they're there and i think we've talked before on this podcast that it doesn't you know it doesn't just begin and end with you know wwe but you know particularly you know marty skull and his success with um his villain character and with the bullet club and the elite and all that kind of thing is also leading the way and there's there's plenty of others as well and obviously we had uh, nick aldis on the podcast three weeks ago doing great stuff with nwa um there are some tremendous British talent working in this country but also uh, internationally and uh, I suspect we've never really been in a, in a better position when it comes to that we're going we're gonna to look into this a bit more after Wrestlemania we're going to um, throw the spotlight on British wrestling a little bit more often we're going to try to and just uh, uh, have a chat with some of our better proponents, that's the plan isn't it Paul just after Wrestlemania but we need to uh, to focus on the big stuff first and uh, before we get into the, uh, the meat of this podcast we're going to have a bit of a focus on Fastlane which is coming up uh, on Sunday and its ramifications for WrestleMania, uh, but before we do, Paul, let's do the um, the lightest of the plugs so far in this show. We've already talked about the fact that we're uh, we're heading to Calgary uh, for our Hooked on Wrestling pay-per-view party coming up uh, at WrestleMania time. But uh, give us a quick rundown of all the places uh, that people can see our WrestleMania parties uh, this time, and indeed uh, what's going on. Okay, right. So for those guys that don't know. Booked on events, specialised in running WWE pay-per-view parties up and down the UK. We've been running it for four years now um, to bigger and better success each time. And we've got a really good following. People who tend to come to our events really enjoy it, get into it, build a sense of community in their towns and keep coming back time and time again. Um, this time is going to be by far the biggest um, run of events we've ever done. We're doing 23 events, as Rob says, 22 in the UK, one in um, Canada, as we've already mentioned. I'll run down those cities and towns we're going to be in in just a second. But if you want to find out more, you can go to facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. Or if you want to buy tickets, you can go to ringsideworld.co.uk and simply type hooked on into the search box and you'll get all our events. So 
here in no particular order are the cities and towns we're going to be in um, if you don't hit your uh, particular town or city fear not um, if we can get to you guys in the future we will and believe me we're already talking about expansion for the future so we'll go anyway here we go um, we're in London um, in Clapham for our main party we're also at London Bridge for sort of a smaller VIP bespoke thing table service uh, something a bit more intimate if that's your bag um, we are in Leeds Manchester Birmingham Derby Sheffield Chelmsford Brighton Newbury Watford Bournemouth Cleethorpes Nottingham Leicester Newcastle Chester Bristol Luton Glasgow and Lincoln wow all of those places and uh all, all that's going to do basically is um, Paul is going to have an aneurysm so um, if I uh, have to do the podcast a week after Wrestlemania on my own then so be it uh, as he recovers gently but uh, no it's uh, listen thank you to everyone that's um, uh, not just listened to this podcast but that's come out in support of, uh, of our hooked on parties in the past because it's only because they've gone well uh, and that our fans have turned out to well WWE fans of course but people that have supported hooked on as well um, have come out to attend these shows that means we can put this on and our uh, also, big thanks to um, uh, the people at all of our venues, in particular uh, Walkabout, who this time have been uh, real, real supporters of us, Paul, and just uh, helped us expand the empire. Yeah, absolutely. Walkabout and Stonegate in general, who are the parent company of Walkabout, was running a couple of their other venues here, off the wall in Luton and Chester. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Walkabout has been fantastic. Big shout out to Amy Cracknell, who's our contact at Walkabout, who has been as responsible as anyone for beating the drum for Hooked On in the Walkabout Empire and really gone to bat for us and got us into all these other places. She's been absolutely magnificent. We never mention her and she's literally the unsung hero of our our work. So Amy, if you're listening, which I know you're not, but sod it, um, thank you very much. Indeed, I echo that, but I also point out that as much of a, a supporter and a genius she is, she can't spell her own name. Um, a- A-M-I-E is not how you spell Amy, uh, sort it out. But apart from that, she's wonderful. Um, but uh, going on to um, just to say that what we have at these parties, it's not just simply turn up uh, and watch the show itself. There's all sorts of things going on. Uh, the famous Hooked On Wrestling pub quiz. Uh, we do encourage you to come uh, in wrestling outfits if you want to. It's by no means compulsory, but we love to see your outfits and we'll give some prizes for the best ones. We'll get some of you up onto the stage and get you to act out the mannerisms, maybe cut a promo if that's what your character would do. Uh, and there's our prizes for that as I say as there are for the quiz we're playing wrestling tunes all night some of the venues have little added extras uh, things like uh, video game contests and uh, beer pong and various others but that depends on the venue so see your local venue for uh, what exactly is going on and it's also worth contacting or finding out from us uh, your local venues for uh, seating arrangements the earlier you buy um, tickets you can buy seats etc it does vary from place to place so um, please do inquire on that but um certain places do get very busy and uh, if you are someone that uh, struggles to stand for many many hours uh, at a time then do uh, do inquire and we'll, uh, we'll sort that out for you we'll go into a bit more detail on some of the uh, uh, the plucking a little later on in the show including uh, uh, how you can get tickets for those venues but um, for now lads let's have a little um, let's have a little chat about the uh, the fast lane pay-per-view on Sunday um, Rich is it one that you're looking forward to in particular? I think this should be called Roadblock um <laughs> <laughs> I think the matches will actually be quite good. Um, I think from that point of view, it's good. But I don't think there's going to be any surprises. I think most of us know what's going to happen. I think it's just going to be a longer version of SmackDown 
and we're just going to glide in towards WrestleMania in the way pretty much all of us are expecting. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what I think. Um, I could say that uh, you, you should never expect any surprises because if you expected surprises, they would cease to have the quality uh, of a surprise. Very much like a banana skin in that uh, in that respect. It ceases to become one as soon as you know that it's there. Um, but uh, I do know what you mean. It, this isn't one of those shows where you think it is loaded with poss- possibility and you don't know how this is going to go and you don't know how that's going to go. Unfortunately, if there are surprises, one feels that there will be negative ones because I think we're sitting here going, well, we don't really want Nakamura to lose on his road to WrestleMania. We don't want the belt to come off of AJ Styles. And, you know, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? And I don't think Ruby Riot beating Charlotte at this point is really a... Uh, is something that uh, gets us all uh, excited for Mania. So, I see. I see your point. I think it's one of those matches, uh, one of those nights where, uh, if there are any pieces of excitement, they probably won't have too many longer-term connotations. For example, you know, should Randy Orton uh, beat Bobby Roode for the title, that's not necessarily changing the face of WrestleMania, and they may just have their rematch there on the kickoff show. But uh, what about you, Paul? Is it uh, is Fastlane just is it a bit of a uh, um, Rich is calling it roadblock. I don't suppose you can't call them um, pay-per-views WWE contra flow. But uh, what would uh, is it something that um, is is it are you on the uh, the 50 mile average speed as opposed to speeding into mania? It feels like one of those annoying average speed cameras on the uh, on the roadworks on the motorway to me. I said, did I not just say that? Did I not just do that one no. first? That's if you I did, it it's a bad line. I'm okay. Sorry, best blame me not. I think I did that I first. Um, okay, we won't edit that. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, talking in real terms, I I've always been anti these pay per views between um, the Rumble and Mania. I'm a, I'm very much a traditionalist. I would like to see an absolute clean slate between the Rumble and Mania. I know that's not realistic and it's not going to happen. But to have two just snarls things up. Like what we what are we four weeks and a bit away from WrestleMania. It'll be four weeks by the time Fastlane comes along. And nothing is set in stone on the SmackDown side, and I just think that's that's absolutely crap, to be honest. I just I just think that you WrestleMania of all pay-per-views needs time for these matches to percolate and to really build up, and we just feel like we're throwing things together at the last minute. That's because we've got two pay-per-views to facilitate between the Rumble and Mania. I don't like it. Um, that said, um, I think this is an interesting pay-per-view in that I think the booking, if it is but I think watching it in um, in isolation, I think it'll be an enjoyable and interesting pay per view. I think it'll be I think it'll be good action up and down the card. I think all the matches will be fun, but um, I scratch my head at a lot of what they're doing. Um, the main event where they seem to have added to it, you know, if Fastlane was three weeks later, how many guys would be in that main event? Um, you know, half the roster probably. Um, the I, I don't understand why Nakamura. Um, who needs to be cheered to high heaven going into WrestleMania is being put up against the most overface on SmackDown um, in Rusev. He's going to get cheered so much more than Nakamura, um, which is not going to do do well for, for the Royal Rumble winner's aura. Um, so, yeah, really head-scratching booking all round. But that said, I think I'm going to really enjoy the pay-per-view. Uh, to be fair on the Rusev thing, I think they probably looked ahead... And when they looked at the diary and were putting the pay-per-view together, they realised that the pay-per-view fell on Rusev Day. So I think that they probably decided <laughs> that they wanted to put a, a special match in for him. That's to be fair, I think that's quite a nice, quite a nice touch, quite a nice touch. But uh, um, aside from that, yeah, I think I share the uh, share the issues. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and head in with a, a big positive though. Um, all, I almost look at the 
six-pack challenge, the Shinsuke match, the women's title match, all of that to me is the undercard, because to me, the main event of this show, the one I'm looking forward to most, because they can wrestle, and they can wrestle, and they can wrestle, and I never get bored of seeing it, it's the Usos versus the big, the, versus the New Day. Again, there are lots of matches where people go, oh, not again. This is not one of them. I could watch this forever. Um, Paul, I know, I'll go to you, because I know you're going to be in agreement with me, but uh, these this, they could wrestle every week, couldn't they, and it would still be good stuff. Oh mate, I, well it, we've written a preview. The three of us have written a preview for this fun for this pay per view, and I've said exactly that. And the amount these guys, these teams have faced off in the last year, it should be overkill. If I ever complain about seeing these two teams face off, then you have my permission to shoot me in the face um, because they're just absolutely wonderful. They put on the best feud in WWE last year. They put on some of the, you know, at least two of the top five matches in WWE last year with these two teams facing up. I genuinely think the Usos are the best tag team in the world. Um, I'll, I will never complain about this match and I probably expect it to be just as good um, as what we saw last year. I can't wait. Rich, in agreement? I would have said it's overkill until they did the promo two weeks ago on SmackDown. That was unreal. And I know um, Paul mentioned about the article there, and one of the things that I mentioned was we've known for a long time that the Usos are great wrestlers, and we saw that particularly when they had their feud with the Wyatts and things like that. I think ever since they've turned heel their work on the mic is just incredible and of course they had that battle rap where they said a few things about um, Xavier Woods which perhaps didn't go down too well but ultimately that promo two weeks ago was electric and the way they kept saying it's our time it's our time and you're like yes it really is and we want it to be your time we want you on that main show and then you're so used to the new day kind of just being all jokey and funny and pancakes and breakfast cereal and all that and then Big E just lifted it up a notch going we're going to be five time champions we want to be five time champions it's going to be our time and you're like damn this just got real this is like this is going to be a really good match and I want it to go further and I want to see the Bludgeon Brothers involved and I want to see a, a even better match at Mania I, I think we could be talking kind of TLC Hardy's uh, Edge and Christian Dudley's kind of territory if they do something like that uh, at Wrestlemania well, that was going to be my next question. Is obviously, this is a, a big match for them this particular weekend, but where do you see them fitting in at Mania? Paul, is it going to be a, a SmackDown-only thing? Would you maybe see the, uh, the Bludgeon Brothers involved at Mania? Or maybe could the winners of this do something with Sheamus and Cesaro, who are kind of hinting at having a bit of an open challenge? Could, the, could it be met by the, the winners of this match, perhaps? No, I don't think so. I think we're going to see um, the titles kept separate on Mania. My my dream match for WrestleMania uh, in terms of the tag team titles um, is actually uh, the Usos against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, okay, that, that I don't good. think that, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but that would be where I'd want it to go anyway. Um, where will it really go? really good question I don't think the New Day will be left off the wrestling portion of the card two years in a row so I suspect they'll be in, they'll be involved um, the Usos are definitely going to be involved they wouldn't be doing this storyline with them um, otherwise um, and then you know will the Bludgeon Brothers be involved in that I hope not I, no, I haven't got anything against them as such apart from their bloody outfits 
but I just see them as a step below. I think it'd be um, more adding more and taking away from the whole. Um, what I re- if you if you take out Owens and Zane, I suppose what I'd really like to do is put those two teams that are in this match, add Gable and Benjamin, and make it a ladder match. Oh, there's interesting. Uh, can I just say those, those of you that are listening who are fans of the uh, Radio Five Live Show Fighting Talk, um, I'm not actually scoring Paul points um, when he's talking. That beeping is his uh, is his social media going a bit mad tonight because he's uh, getting himself involved for the uh, the Bama Show tomorrow night. So uh, I don't know if you want to apologise to the ladies and gentlemen, Paul, for um, uh, ringing in their ears as they're listening to this on the way to work on Friday morning, but uh, it's entirely up to you. I will never apologise for my popularity, Rob. Good. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> so we'll um, we'll move on then with the uh, uh, with the show. Um, I just, in fact, no, I won't. I'm going to take a little sidebar because I've mentioned it. Um, the Sheamus and Cesaro challenge, as it were. Um, I've seen some interesting uh, sort of social media stuff. Probably just people um, trying to push their own agendas and get themselves people talking about them. But the very fact that the uh, each individual young buck made a mention of the. Uh, of the Seamus um, tweet that was out there got a few tongues wagging I'm sure that's just uh, the Jacksons just having a little bit of fun um, if you remember the Hardys worked for Ring of Honor last last year and then or was it the year before whichever year it was and then uh, appeared at Wrestlemania um, I don't see that happening with the uh, the Young Bucks as well I think they're doing plenty well for themselves with doing what they're doing but um, what do you see have you got any vibes on that one Paul have you seen anything is there anything that you uh, where you think that that may go um, yeah, I do actually. I'm fairly confident we're going to see Seamus and Cesaro defending against the team of Woken Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Okay. That's my call. Rich? I've seen something similar like that, and I really, really hope that's on the pre show. I would not look forward to that whatsoever. Um, I heard so much hype about Matt Hardy in um, Impact doing the whole broken gimmick. I watched Final Deletion and didn't actually think it was that good. Haven't been that impressed with what he's been doing at WWE. Obviously, he's had a lot of troubles with all of the um, contractual problems and everything like that. But I I think for it to have worked, he needed to have a feud with someone not so mental and crazy as himself as in Bray Wyatt so it's it's just for me that hasn't gelled so I can see it happening I can see them joining forces um, and it uh, doesn't really excite me to be honest I would rather see Sheamus and Cesaro do that kind of cross promotional match but I think that is full suggestion is going to happen though yes well maybe it maybe will do I'm, I'm certainly with you um anyone that's a regular listener will know is that uh, I'm by no means a fan of the uh, uh, of the, the broken woken thing um, I will say I'm, I possibly haven't said this enough in the past I do say credit to Matt for for coming up with something different throughout his career he seems to have tried to um, you know he did the version one which I believe was his own thing and then there was the Matt Hardy will never die when he was doing the you know the indie stuff and the, the whole uh, uh, edge uh, Dave Barkle. I think he's constantly tried during his life to reinvent himself and do something different and keep on changing it. Whereas Jeff is basically just happy to put some face paint on and do a little flip every now and again, and that'll that'll suit him. <laughs> not knocking, the, not necessarily knocking him either, because he's probably the more successful one of the two when it comes down to it, just because of his sheer um, charisma that people have taken to. But uh, so fair play to Matt. But do do I not read that they're filming 
they were filming something at the quote unquote Hardy compound, you know, the, uh, this week. Yes. So when is that meant? That's meant to be going out on Raw, then, is it? Rather than at uh, at Mania or uh, anything? Well, it's it's not being officially announced. I think the assumption amongst everybody was that it was going to go on Mania. I kind of had the feeling from the start that it wouldn't. It just doesn't feel like something you put on WrestleMania. You're not going to get 80,000 people in a stadium to sit there watching a screen for 20 minutes. No, yeah. um, no matter how exciting and interesting it is. It's, it's a raw thing. It's got to be a raw thing. Or a network special, standalone, on its own. Um, yeah, so I, I they're filming it today, which is hugely exciting for me, especially when they did the promo on Raw. I know you hate this, Rob, but, Rich, I don't know what your feelings are, but they did a promo on, on Raw with the little clips of it, and they had Vanguard 1, and they had Matt dragging the dilapidated boat, Sarsgaard, and they had the lake and stuff. And I don't know, man, it, it's ridiculous, but I really like it. I think it's so much fun. Um, and I, I, I got a bit excited when I saw the dilapidated boat. I'm assuming they won't be firing fireworks at each other on WWE television. Um, that might be slightly irresponsible. Well, hopefully everything else will be present correct. And of course, with Boric in the company now, he is really the creative force behind those skits. So I'm assuming he's there in North Carolina today doing his thing too. Um, I think it's going to be, if you like the TNA one, I think this is going to be fantastic. Rob, you might want to fast forward. Do you know what? It can't be any worse than the bloody, what was it called? The House of Horrors. Oh my goodness. That was one of oh. the worst things that's Nothing. ever happened. And like, just one of the worst things that's ever happened. Not on WWE, but I mean like, right up there with everything that's ever happened in the history of the world that was the last time I was on talking about House of Horrors was it well you're a bloody jinx then aren't you so we'll get you on the next time there's something so horrendous to talk about but uh, um, sorry Rob I would go as far as say that House of Horrors shite that carried on through Wrestlemania with the projectors on the ring and everything else I would go as far as say that is my least favourite WWE angle of all time Oh, you got a point for that. Some the um, the invisible score person gave you a point for that as well. So, um, well done. Maybe that's the uh, the mystery GM from a few years ago coming back in a new role, scoring your answers on this show. But uh, um, you might be right. It would be up there. I think it's a question you could put out to. Um, do you want to stick it on our Facebook poll, and we'll talk about it next week? Put put on our Facebook page at some point in the week. What you know, we decided that we think maybe the uh, the House of Horrors is the worst WWE angle ever. You know, what what do you reckon? I'll do that. We'll get a whole load of um, Katie Vicks, I'm sure, but uh, I wonder if people have got something that's a little bit more left field that we've forgotten about that uh, is so bad it's untrue. Because actually they're the ones, the, wor- the worst ones will be ones that you've completely forgotten. Because they were so terrible, they got buried up and everyone forgot about them very quickly. Whereas the ones that were like, um, well, there were Katie Vick and that sort of thing, were just quite actually quite funny. So you've even got, you know, the, there's the kind of the gobbledygooker side of things, because it's so bad it was funny. You've actually got some sure. entertainment value, but there have been other things that have been so bad you just go, oh no. So I think uh, hidden bad stories is what we'd like to hear about. Can you remember things that uh, jog our memory about how terrible something was? That would be uh, that would be, uh, that would be funny indeed. I'll tell you a really bad one. and it, it didn't it, Because it didn't go anywhere and it was just so terrible. Do you remember gold dust becoming Dustin Rhodes and becoming ultra religious and preachy yeah that went for it about went, fa- it just it just resulted in going back as gold dust didn't it kind of yeah but it was just it was just so bad it was like I, I'm, I'm not a religious person but I felt sorry for religious people that seemed to be sort of poking fun at but it was just 
it was just pretty horrendous. It's, it's ones like that. Yeah, you're right. It did end up in him coming back as gold dust. But I think that's because whatever they were trying to do didn't work, as opposed to a prescribed. This is the best way to get gold dust back. And if someone had actually thought that was the best way to get gold dust back, then goodness my me. Um, anything, Rich? Just while we're talking about it, we do have a little odd tangent on this show. So, uh, does anything jump to your mind? I'd I'd probably have to think about it for a little longer. Although the the one which does come to my mind, which uh, I don't know, why I'm laughing, but uh, unfortunately was kind of ruined by uh, the consequences of Chris Benoit's actions was the the blowing up of Vince McMahon's limo with him inside of him. Oh, I, I wonder what they wanted to actually do with that going forward. Well, we're going we're gonna to have a fight here. I thought you were on my side. I thought with, with you slagging off the Broken Hardy stuff, I thought, oh, I've got him. Uh, and now you've just uh, <laughs> gone and uh, shit on one of my favourite angles of all time. <laughs> I'll tell you... No, no, I'm only joking. But I'll tell you for why. I'll tell you the um, the reason for my, you know, well, my lack of dislike, if that's not a double negative, um, is that uh, I was writing a blog at the time, and I, you know, you know when you, you know when you write a blog and you think you're a journalist. Um, well, I was writing a blog. Actually, I probably was. I was a qualified journalist, but I wasn't working in it at the time. Uh, so I was writing a blog and thinking it was important, and which you know, a very small handful of people were reading. You know, each time I put something up. Um, this was. I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to get my timeline. I would have been working for the Sun at that point, but I wouldn't have been doing very much. It would have just been the odd, uh, uh, the odd sort of sidebar piece for for Simon Rothstein. Um And so I was writing the blog at the same time. Uh, and let's just let's say I, I honestly can't remember my numbers, but let's say that every time I wrote something, a hundred people read it. Um, when Vince got blown up, and I wrote something about that, I think the first blog I wrote about that got something like three thousand views. And it was like it was literally something like, you know, a thirty times more hit rate on the blog because that's because that is what people were searching for. You didn't necessarily. I was I wasn't on Twitter, so it wasn't something that people would go into regularly. The only people that would read it would be searching for something and would happen to bump into it because of the the keywords and that kind of thing. And so many people were searching for Vince McMahon limo. What happened? Who did it? Why they're doing it? That was a real. And, and I remember Simon saying the same thing when we wrote a story for the Sun about it that it got big, you know, big hit rates. It was that was something people were really, really interested in, and we'll never know where it was going to go. Knowing WWE and just hearing little snippets from the Bruce Pritchard show when they've talked about it, I don't think it was really going anywhere. I think Vince just wanted to be off telly, you know. And Bruce has said that you know Vince said, well, I can't come back if I'm dead, and so that I think that was just the well, idea was that they would just kill him. Harold Bishop came back. <laughs> all the greats do. Dirty <laughs> Den. Yeah, they all come back. Harold Bishop hadn't Harold Bishop fallen off a cliff and got amnesia. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, something, something like Did that. he return what? back from the water or something? <laughs> oh no, he came back as Ted. That was it. He came back as Ted. He, he he came back as a guy known as Ted working in a charity shop. And then eventually got told that he was Harold Bishop and he returned back to Erinsborough and then amazingly remembered everything. Should we just talk about this? Should we say <laughs> Sodfast Lane? It's much more interesting. Let's talk about our favourite Neighbours episodes from the mid-90s. Here's one. Here's Go on. one. Toadfish's wife. Was it, what was her name? Toadfish's wife. Was it Maddie or something like no, that? D. 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 She died and came back, but she came back as her evil twin. 
<laughs> like Dr. Drake Ramore. <laughs> there is a connection on that because in the in the time between her dying on Neighbours and returning as her evil twin, she co-starred with none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin in The Condemned. Wow. And there's a, there's a, there is another wrestling link in Dee's maiden name before she married Toadfish. Anyone want to join in? No. She, her character was D- Dion, I think her full name was, but her name was Dion Bliss. Oh. Ah. Maybe or maybe oh, not. It's Alexa's you know, long-lost sister, I don't know. <laughs> right. God, that's great. Knowledge. And also, the actress was called Madeline West, and she was the daughter of Don West, who used to character uh, used to do the uh, commentary on TNA. That's not actually true, but it'd be, wouldn't it be jolly good if it, if it was? Anyway, do you want to keep, should we carry on talking about neighbours, or should we talk about some uh, some wrestling? Let's do a poll. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's pause it right now and just go to the go to the panel. <laughs> well, I, I think I think we've just noticed a gap in the market of connecting wrestling and neighbours as a podcast. There's so many niches. I, I say we just do a, a, a new separate podcast and continue with wrestling here, though. <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. I'm feeling though. I am feeling a little uh, on Twitter sort of hashtag game wrestling neighbours, and we'll, uh, <laughs> we can set that off with the uh, the full puns uh, on Friday. If you're listening, Dean Ayas, he's the king of this. Um, we'll do that. Okay, everyone, alright with that? Over the weekend, wrestling neighbours. Uh, we'll have some fun with that one. Uh, but let's actually let's actually talk a little bit about um, wrestling, uh, if we may, and just kind of round off the um, uh, the fast things. So I don't really want to go into stupid detail in it because we have already talked about that it'll be um, possibly an insignificance but there's two particular issues I want to bring up one uh, is over the uh, women's title uh, the Smackdown women's title Charlotte versus Ruby Riot is on the show and there is another women's match which is Becky Lynch uh, with surname uh, and Naomi sans surname against Natalia and Carmella no surnames um, but the um, that tag match is you know on there as well but it kind of highlights there's I would say a little bit of a lack of depth on, on SmackDown as far as the uh, the women go. It's not necessarily on talent, but just on um, sort of what's the word I'm looking for? But just just being relevant. You know, the, the, the people that have had their run have kind of had their run, and there's no new people for Charlotte to wrestle apart from someone like Ruby, who's a bit too new, you could argue. Um, so wh- where is that division going? Uh, is the first thing. And secondly, with uh, with Carmella on the show wrestling in a in a tag team match, could this be the uh, could this be the cash-in, finally, and could we maybe see Carmella versus Charlotte at WrestleMania, with Charlotte winning, is where they go with the uh, the SmackDown title? What, what do you think of that hypothesis, Rich? Uh, Carmella, I think, will cash-in in the Tuesday after WrestleMania. That's what I think. Okay. This this match is... It's four talented wrestlers. I think, I think they're all pretty good. Um... And it just, this is why I think this card is a bit just like a SmackDown, but an hour longer, because this match could be on any other SmackDown. And crucially, there's so many matches which do have something at stake, and this is one of two which really don't. Um, it doesn't matter who wins, it doesn't matter who pins who in this match. Um, I'm sure they could get a good match out of it and can draw the crowd in, but it's really irrelevant who wins it's a bit like for me uh, the other filler is, is Nakamura Rusev which actually when you, when you mentioned about the sans surnames I wonder how far away we are from Vince going I don't like the Shinsuke first name and just starting to call him Nakamura that's a really good shout actually 
We should do that's another poll. Who's the next person? That's a good question for your sheep quiz, Paul. Who's the next wrestler to lose a surname or a first name? Because um, say that again. You're absolutely right. I'd say it's between Shinsuke and Titus. Oh yeah, you could just be, actually that would probably be a better one. That's probably better because I I rant about this all the time. But yeah, to call them Titus and Apollo, that kind of works, doesn't it? That's not that's a, not a bad idea. Well, you know, who would what would be the worst one to do then? Rude. <laughs> oh, please, please welcome Kevin. to the ring, Rude. <laughs> or or get get rid of Cena. <laughs> welcome to the ring, John. John. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, very good, John. That would be excellent, wouldn't it? And then what would he would have to do? Seventeen-time champion, John. <laughs> what he would then need to do is go and play football for the Brazil national team, because <laughs> if when when I was a kid, all the Brazilian players were called things like Ronaldo and Ronaldinho and Dunga and you know Leonardo and things like that, and now they're called Fred and Malcolm. I expect he'd get a transfer to Shakhtar Donetsk. <laughs> John, John Cena goes to Shakhtar Donetsk. Brilliant. You heard it here. Yeah, very much first, because there's nowhere, nowhere else could have possibly come up with the uh, the suggestion that John Cena or just John uh, would be going to Shakhtar Donetsk. And we can fit him in. He's, the, he's uh, a free agent, remember? He's a free agent. Oh yes, yeah, so we wouldn't have to go within the transfer window. So that's uh, that's fair enough. He can still make the move to. Uh, to Shakhtar before the end of the season um, he of course could fit into this um, women's title match because I'd really really like to go to that baby and hold up a sign that says uh, if, if Riot wins we seen her but uh, never mind whoosh um, but let's, hey. let's, since we're talking since we're talking John uh, and he's been added to the uh, uh, the mix on the six pack challenge where are they uh, are, we talked about this last week Paul still thinks that they're going to find a long way round of doing Undertaker. I'm not so convinced because of the fact that they've mentioned it. I kind of felt that because they mentioned it, that feels like they won't do it. Because WWE tend to have a, have a tendency to assume that you're going to completely forget about everyone until they mention them. And by by the very fact that they've mentioned Taker, that kind of disqualifies it for me. But um, what do you see happening with Cena? I mean, you might you might think he's going to win on Sunday and be be added to that match. Maybe they do Cena versus AJ versus Nakamura. But what do you see being seen as trajectory through WrestleMania? Well, he's going to... I expect something on Sunday to be along the lines of he actually hits the, the finishing move like an AA and then somehow gets dragged out the ring and AJ Styles makes the pin and wins. That's what I think. I think it's going to be that he comes so desperately close so we continue that whole, oh, his place is in jeopardy. Um, a, a bit like uh, I think you said you um, with Undertaker being mentioned on TV I don't think that's going to happen which I'm very happy about I wanted to see Cena Taker three four years ago maybe just after the streak um, now I think it's too late I wasn't that impressed with Taker uh, against Roman Reigns last year I think his time has now gone two defeats I don't see what the point is of him being there anymore um, I think they are looking towards um Mysterio, I think they would like to sign Mysterio, perhaps do that. I think that would be quite good. Uh, apparently, he's got an injury in the last few days, which could kind of scupper things, and they, they haven't confirmed that signing. Um, the other idea, uh, there, there was someone else mentioned, but I can't remember who it is now. But, yeah, I think it's probably going to be Mysterio. How about this one? This is Every now and again, we are allowed on this podcast to take huge flights of fancy. 
um, which are complete nonsense. But once, maybe, maybe, we're going to get one of these right, and then people are going to go crazy for how clever we were. What about this one, folks? John Cena is about to beat AJ Styles, or John Cena could be the preventor, but let's just say that he's the one that's about to win. And as you say there, Rich, he gets dragged out by, I'm going to say, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. AJ Styles goes on and wins the match, but can, but the can beating continues backstage, and maybe you do something, you know, on the on the network or something. Look what happened after the show. Owens and Zayn beat on Cena, beat on Cena, you know, damaged him irreparably or whatever it might be. But he then disappears or cuts a promo on Raw or whatever it is, saying he's going to be injured out of WrestleMania. And Owens and Zayn gloat about how they've knocked out Cena from WrestleMania. And then a couple of weeks before Mania itself, Cena returns on SmackDown. Challenges them to a tag team match with his partner, Daniel Bryan. Well, that would be pretty amazing. Oh, pretty cool, would it? Uh, the, yeah. the, the, the one thing which I just thought of, as, as you mentioned that, about the person who kind of pulls Cena, which I think would actually be pretty, yeah, blow a lot of people's minds, is if an alpha Chris Jericho comes out and Paul Cena off whoever it is and oh, sets up an alpha Chris Jericho John Cena match oh I love that I absolutely love that that's way more plausible than mine as well that's 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 potential or, or, or actually going I'll take mine back a step because let's face it the, the idea of me coming up with a match that's got Daniel Bryan in it is uh, is probably quite unlikely but what if Daniel Bryan did... Was He was the one that stopped Cena from winning. You know, and then you have that little bit of tension and then he was sort of behind a match that was some sort of form of Owens and Zayn against Cena and someone or something like that. But, you know, Daniel Bryan was with the uh, with the connection of, uh, of Owens and Zayn. There's a possibility on that. Or here's another one, which I don't think people would want to see. But what if what if Shane was the person that cost him? Mm. And they, did, they do John Cena versus Shane. That's possible. Well, with, with, if you mention Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan cost John Cena, then it's Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella versus John Cena and Nikki Bella. <laughs> <laughs> well, I Johnny mean... Ace is the special guest referee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of theories in here, but in all seriousness, I think one of the stories of, of Sunday and indeed of Monday and Tuesday is going to be how they deal with Cena. I am fascinated by it. I have my thumbs up for them. I think they've told a brilliant story with John Cena. I think John Cena has been very good as well. Because I like the stories of... you know, you, We do have those kind of things. Not everything is champagne and roses. People have a bad trot. People have losing streaks. People have slumps. You know, whether it's you know a football team being in the... You know, look at Chelsea a couple of years ago. You know, in the bottom half. Having won the league, they were in the bottom half. You know, you have that, and you have that sort of redemption story, or you have, you know, tennis players like Federer had a really bad time and then came back to be world number one. And these things happen in real life, and so I quite like that the, you know, so-called Super Cena, the Invincible John Cena, Big Match John, or simply John, um, is having this sort of little crisis of confidence, and he's having to come in and do things. I, I don't care what people say. I love the fact that he beat AJ last week. I thought that was a really good move. I thought it was. I think AJ's good enough that he can get over that. He's beaten Cena before, so you know you're not necessarily thinking that AJ is, is weaker than John Cena. Um, I thought it was okay, and I thought it just it created more interest in the Cena character. 
Um, where do you stand? We're not, we've done a lot of Roman Reigns stuff on this podcast over the piece. I don't think we've done too much on Cena. Where, where do you stand on John Cena generally and specifically, Rich? The year he did his uh, US title open challenge, I called him my wrestler of the year. I thought that was incredible. Um, I was very anti-Cena back in those days of 2005, 2006. And that was mainly because I felt that the feud he was having at the time was against Kurt Angle. And then he did a little bit with Christian and Jericho as well. But for me, I, I didn't get behind him because of... I didn't think it was believable that he could ever beat a man the caliber of Kurt Angle and then it was from there on that he started to get the booze and sometimes rightly so other times not rightly so like his performance in that uh, Extreme Rules uh, pay-per-view whatever it was called last stand or whatever with RVD where they were going to riot I thought that was incredible and then it kind of went through that kind of middle spell where he's facing Randy Orton 93,000 times and you end up not really caring. He faces The Miz at WrestleMania and probably one of the worst WrestleManias in a, in a long, long time. Then I didn't really care. And then he reinvented himself with the US Open title challenge. He's had amazing matches with Seth Rollins and AJ Styles in the last few years. Yes, he's been helped by having a, a high, rich caliber of talent. But I actually also really like the fact that we don't see him all the time now. You know, that was the main problem, was that we were seeing him every single Raw, every single SmackDown, doing the same kind of puffy promos and the same similar matches. And now we see less of him. We actually appreciate his stuff even more. I think that's very fair. And if you look at the the six-pack challenge in particular, have a look at some of the opponents. And in particular, I'm saying... AJ Styles, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn all of those have been would they be in the position that they're in without John Cena? Possibly but I think he gave them a springboard two of them you know very much from the US Open Challenge that you're talking about there Rich you know Zayn came up and made an appearance I think he got injured as I recall but it was still you know, uh, an early star making appearance for him you know, they went to the races with him and uh, Owens, which is still probably, unfortunately for Kevin, it's probably still the best thing he's done in WWE. They still you know, need to get him back up to that level at some point. But he's got it within him, and uh, I'm sure he'll get there again. And, of course, the series of matches that Senior and Styles have had over the piece is the, you know, is a, a real sort of modern classics. Every time that they face off it, it tends to be a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a stunner. So, um, you know, I always think that um, Cena gets a bad trot from a lot of people. I think, you know, clearly things have changed and I think a lot of people um, have changed their opinion of him and have kind of held their hands up and I think it was did you say a couple of weeks ago Paul I believe it was you that mentioned it on the podcast that when the fans do the John Cena sucks thing they're kind of in on it now a little bit like the um, the Kurt Angle you suck thing whereas Roman oh my they hate him but when they're doing it with Cena they're pretty much taking the rise oh 100% and um, there's a very definite turning point. It was when he, like you say, at the start of that US Open Challenge, when he beat Rusev, which is a shame at the time because Rusev was a shining star, but when he beat Rusev, that was the moment that liking John Cena became acceptable because he, went, he, he deliberately came down a notch from that unbeatable main eventer. He became vulnerable, and his goal in that run was to put over guys like you, like you mentioned, Zayn and Owens, um, there were a couple more Cesaro was around that time yeah. wasn't Ambrose. it Ambrose the big ones Ambrose um, 
AJ came a little bit later, a year or so later, but equally as equally as important to AJ's credibility on the main roster. Definitely. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, Joe Mangle, he was in there, wasn't he? Oh no, sorry, that's a, sorry. I've got uh, back to the wrong Neville, show again. The, the, one, the one, the one with Neville was incredible. Yeah, Neville, that's true. That was a good match. Yeah, and it's and it's it's absolutely true. Um, John Cena suddenly became a guy that you could get behind because he wasn't being pushed to the moon, and crucially, he was working his ass off, and he was putting on absolutely brilliant matches because the thing about John Cena and we say this about Cena we say this about Reigns all the time John Cena is an exceptional pro wrestler um, and of that you cannot deny it's just that for years and years that was completely obscured by the fact that he was pushed down our throats by WWE and he was given this superstar treatment like you know the guy the times where he was um, he was made to retire from WWE by the Nexus by Wade Barrett and he came back the very next night mm. it's crap that, that that turns people against it's exactly what's happening to Roman Reigns it's not the skill of the performer it's not the fault of the performer it's the positioning of the performer and the moment that they allow John Cena to be organic and to, to be in the right spot on the card without, without a second's hesitation the fans got behind him because they wanted to they they to almost to a man the fans appreciated John Cena for who he was for years and years and years but they felt they couldn't show that because he was the poster boy for terrible booking so they couldn't get behind that the moment that wasn't the case anymore boom John Cena is hugely popular with Roman Reigns he's now in that position and as has been shown in the last couple of weeks on Raw the minute you let that that force field of terrible booking drop the fans want to get behind him and if they positioned Roman correctly the fans would love him it's all it's all the fault of the WWE machine and Cena's proved that and I'm so pleased that he spent the last few years of his active career basking in the adulation that he fully deserves uh, I've gone on a bit there guys but I really 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 think it's important that, um, that it's a known point I agree with I agree with you I think about 90% I think I think you're laying it on a bit thick in terms of saying that he's basking in adulation I still think there's a huge huge and vocal section of the WWE audience that don't like him and haven't been able to basically open their eyes I think there's a little bit you know you have once again to go into real sport I bet you know those of us that are football fans I bet there's been you know you've known someone a mate that's known a player that's come into your team and they've gone ah oh, he's rubbish he's rubbish, he's no good. And over the course of two, three years, they proved themselves to be excellent, but of course they can't shake their initial opinion. You know, ah, no, he's crap. He's he's rubbish, that player. And they just, or it's or it could be the opposite. It could be a, a fan of a rival team and they they refuse to see the uh, the good in someone. I think there's a little bit of that about Cena. I think there's certain people that don't want to see it. I certainly don't hear universal cheers when he comes to the ring now, um, I think. But I think what it is is that he's more he's more the guy that you can respect if he wins so as a for example you know, I'm trying to think of a, a good sport to, to compare it with but let's do tennis again and let's say that um, maybe maybe when Tim Henman was knocking around and was you know trying to do well on stuff and doing semi-finals if he lost the semi-final to say Pete Sampras you kind of felt that the crowd would go oh, we, we cheered our guy but actually we don't mind Sampras winning and probably the same with Federer who's more of a modern version of that they would rather Andy Murray won, but if he didn't, they'll go, OK, but Federer's OK, and he's got their endorsement. And I think that's more of the Cena role these days. I think we often do this, don't we, Paul? You know, who would we compare them to as a sporting 
person. Well, there is a bit of a John Cena, Roger Federer for me. It's quite a, um, it's quite a decent one. There's someone that is you know, still going a similar sort of age. I've actually seen this probably a bit older. Um, but he's kind of that. Uh, he's turned into that, uh, that one that you're you're happy to see year in year out continually do their thing. But you're waiting for them to wind down, but they still have got a, a good performance in them. So. I think that um, I think it's only right. I think it's deserved. I think he's someone that uh, um, that should have had it a long time ago. I'm going to go way back here. I'm trying to remember the year. I always do this. I never remember the year, and I think it's 2008. I think we're coming up to the the 10th anniversary of it. But it, it, I, I thought about it earlier in the show because when we were talking about knowing certain days and working out how long ago it was that that Rich was on the podcast and all that kind of thing, I can tell you, um, with a fair degree of certainty, that the first time that Richard Parr and I met um, was on your birthday, Paul Benson. It was several was years, that? several years before I knew you. But uh, the first, <laughs> e- the first ever WWE show I went to representing the Sun was at Earl's Court on April the twenty-third. Because I remember that because it was Saint George's Day, um, and uh, it was the match, the show at which we had John Cena versus Shawn Michaels that went nearly an hour. And I'm fairly certain that's when we first met, Rich. Is it not? Quite possibly. I remember spilling a beer over Matt Hardy that day. Um, <laughs> that made broke, him that's woken. What, that's what broke him, yeah. <laughs> he was fine until that point. It actually landed in his hair and just sort of streaked. It was Guinness, as I recall. Just that little white streak that just went through his hair. He's never been able to get rid of. Just quickly, I wanted to pick up on your, your point about um, Cena kind of being that Sampras Federer type role. For me, that's what I felt... Um, TNA missed in in those late years of the 2000s is that they never really had that marquee guy like WWE always had Hogan or then they had Austin or well Hogan then they had Brett then they had Austin then they had Cena and now they've got Reigns I don't think that TNA ever really did that I know when Flair came in he tried to make AJ Styles that and it it just didn't really work because they tried to make him like a Ric Flair like AJ Styles which was a bit weird so I, I think I think that works really well. The only thing with Cena is I always think about what Chris Jericho wrote in his book about how The Undertaker was the Madonna of wrestling, of how he'd always try and reinvent himself, and Jericho always try and reinvents himself. John Cena's a 41-year-old man still in jean shorts. Why does he never try to change that? <laughs> it's a good question. And by the way, Paul may not have picked up on this he might have been in a, in a back room counting his money or something but um, when we did the, uh, the the Bruce Pritchard tour uh, back in last summer I on stage in front of several hundred people referred to Undertaker as being the Madonna of pro wrestling I didn't know that that was in Jericho's book um, I don't know which book you refer because I have read he's only three the first but, one okay well he's written three I think and I've read the first two so maybe I've read it and it's gone into the back of my mind and you know, it's kind of come out subconsciously, but Bruce absolutely mercilessly hammered me for saying that, um, for referring to him as being the Madonna of professional wrestling. So, I wish at the time I'd have been able to throw Chris Jericho's book directly at his <laughs> shiny red face, um, but unfortunately I was unable to. So, uh, I don't know. Probably I wouldn't count as a zing now if I called Bruce nine months later and say, "By the way, I was right." Um, but uh, <laughs> um, but Richard Paul, Pass says so. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, Paul, we're going to have to get Bruce on the show at some point. Um, so and you can just so I can say, by the way, Richard Parr from Sportacino agrees with me. 
Um, by the way, just to square the circle on the John Cena, you guys meeting on my birthday thing, did you know John Cena and I actually share a birthday? So that match with Shawn Michaels was actually on John Cena's birthday. Do you know what? I did know that. In a, in a very dark recesses of my mind, I knew that. And I think there's another wrestler. Is there another wrestler that's got that birthday? Okay, uh, I, I, I might out... Keep a Fraser Digby. No, not I, I, I might outdo you here because my birthday is shared with, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll get better as we go with Rob Van Dam, right? Trish Stratus and okay. Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, that's wow. very good. That's and very Brad good. Pitt. <laughs> who, who, oh my! Who, who did he ever beat? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but let's the... not go there, Rob. Even. <laughs> I think he did a. Uh, I think he, he did his own interview segment, didn't he, once called Brad's Pit. I think that's what he did, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I can't compete with that because the only wrestler that I... So you've got the um, you know two-year-long television, ECW television champion, former WWE champion, you know, still going, hugely, wildly popular Rob Van Dam, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, female superstars of all time, you know, coming from you know, a beautiful woman, but built herself into an absolutely brilliant wrestler and wildly respected Hall of Famer and Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, the biggest star in the history of the industry. Um, I share my, my birthday with uh, Marcus Corvon. <laughs> um, formerly Monty known as Mon- Monty Brown in uh, in TNA, who, by the way, I rated. I liked Monty Brown. He was I liked okay. the pounce. Great move. Great move, the pounce. Really enjoyed that. Good finisher. Uh, surprised that no one uh, I can see I can see like a big E doing the pounce and making that quite a good uh, a good finish oh, or someone or, or Rusev someone with that sort of stocky you know um, the build or you know someone that they could make that quite a good finish Mo- Mojo Rawley uses it oh does he that's why no, he's rubbish though that's, that's, forget that one. Um, that's why I didn't know that but uh, I just sort of mentally delete his matches from my brain but um, what was the what was the big guy last year called Paul that helped him win the battle royal that I'd never heard of Rob Gronkowski, yes. So <laughs> I, I always love it when that happens. That I, I understand if he's a big star in America and all that. I kind of get it, but they sometimes forget WWE do that there are another 190 countries on Earth that follow their program. <laughs> hang on, hang on. And you sometimes forget, my friend, that the NFL is now one of the most popular sports on Earth. It is officially the fourth most watched sport on Sky Sports. Um, and Rob Gronkowski is arguably the top three most famous faces in that sport. So I would say you're in the minority of not knowing who he is, rather than oh, WWE. Whoa, 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 whoa! It's the fourth, fourth most sport, fourth most yep. watched sport on Sky, behind what? Yep. Well, football, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would, I would hazard a guess that rugby. Uh, I would no, I would say the NFL's probably more than rugby on Sky, but go on. Well, no. Don't know what the others are, and um, I'll try and Google it while we're talking. Wrestling's right. behind football. It's football wrestling, and then I don't know what it is after that. You're, well, yes, that's what I was going to say. Certainly, at one point, Raw was the most regular, you know, watched program. Probably not. It probably changed when it went to live overnights. But Raw used to be the most watched show regularly on Sky Sports, apart from live football matches. Um, and right. it barely got. What, what does Raw get? How many people watch Raw on Sky, Paul? Um, last I checked, it was probably about two hundred thousand. Right, about two hundred thousand. How many people have got Sky Sports? Oh, uh, in the millions. Well, into the millions. How many people are there in Great Britain? 
fair few. About 80 million. So if yeah. there's about 80 million people in Great Britain that could potentially have Sky, and I know not all of them have it, but potentially have Sky, and if wrestling is watched by 200,000 people and is the second most watched thing on Sky Sports, therefore almost certainly NFL wouldn't be above 150,000, you are suggesting that 150,000 people may be watching at one show on Sky means that that is I am in the minority of being part of the other 79.95 million or 85 million that don't watch it. Well, no, um, we don't care about the 9.8 million. We only care about the people that watch WWE. So, if those people, so what percentage of people who watch WWE watch NFL know who Rob Gronkowski is? It's a lot more than 20.2 percent. I don't think it would be. I, I don't think it would be. I don't think I'm pretty. Be. I would. I wouldn't say that people that watch WWE are particularly more viewers of NFL than. The normal person let's, walking down the high street. So why would they? Why would they know who poll. it is? Let's do a scientific poll. Rich, do you know who Rob Gronkowski is? Well, of course he does, because he saw him on bloody WrestleMania last year. That's <laughs> irrelevant. Who does Rob Gronkowski play for, Rich? Uh, New England Patriots. There you go, Rob. He presents. Yeah. He presents a show about sport. <laughs> of course he knows that. You're not allowed to ask Richard Parr about whether he knows things. He does every sport under the bloody sun. Have you watched that show? Yes, you have. You've been on it. I haven't, by the way. But that's not the point. Oh, did you enjoy your stint on WCW because WCW again? Well, 66.6% of people who watch WWE know who Rob Gronkowski is in the UK. That's well, a proven I'm... fact now. Yeah. Well. <laughs> just just to turn it the other way you know you've got that argument but you know first of all the feud has never been resolved between Seamus and Wayne Rooney but do people in America know who Wayne Rooney is when they no, that? no they probably wouldn't and I don't bl- and then they sh- it doesn't actually well okay you, if I wanted to be come down on the other side of the argument I'd say absolutely miles more people around the world know who Wayne Rooney is than what Rob Gronkowski because the Premier League is the biggest league in the world in terms of viewing figures around the country and around the world and football is clearly the number one sport globally by, and it's not even close so I would say yes way more people would know Wayne Rooney than would know Rob Gronkowski but that still doesn't make me think that they should do it because their core audience is in America and they wouldn't know who Wayne Rooney is so I still, st- I still don't think they should have done it and by the way was it not Wade Barrett rather than Seamus but oh, yeah it was kind of both of them wasn't it kind of, like oh yeah that. they're probably doing the League of Nations at the time weren't they so yeah, yeah. fair enough so but uh, okay, well, this has got rather rather heated, hasn't it? But uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this all started with this started with Monty Brown and his bloody pounce on my birthday. When I say pounced on my birthday, that sort of sounds like I invited him to my party and he was unwelcome. But um, I, I'm not getting at that. <laughs> oh, I blame Harold Bishop. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I was all, I was always a Lou Carpenter guy. Sod Harold Bishop. <laughs> By the way, guys, I did very much enjoy my stint on because WCW. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah, fine. No, no, this is not either. Um, I now want. You know, again, I'm I'm perfectly aware that the um the Bruce Pritchard podcast has about five hundred thousand listeners every week, so that's how they can do it. But you know how every time they mention something, they say that's a T-shirt. And the following week, there it is on, on Pro Wrestling Tees, whatever, and you can have a shirt that says whatever they've said. I, I would kill for a, <laughs> a Paul Heyman-style shirt that said, I'm a Lou Carpenter guy. <laughs> Get it made. <laughs> I'll stick it on the Sportachino shop. Oh, brilliant. Dean, if you're listening, 
um, Dean the Genesis because he, he's got contacts for that kind of thing make me and I'm a Lou Carpenter guy shirt that will be here and I will wear it to our Wrestlemania party oh dear this has got <laughs> who says this show's unfocused <laughs> are we talking hang on hang on what are we, are we talking about wrestling neighbours or just abusing each other where did uh, this this all, all of started with, with John <laughs> oh and it was birthdays it came from birthday it was birthdays and wrestlers and then into Monty Brown the pounce and then to the gronk and all that kind of stuff so um, can, we, can we try try and get back slightly on track what, what should we talk about now um I don't know <laughs> flying doctors uh, yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that was actually, always a home and away. Well, oh, it sounds like why not, not? I think it sounds like a tag team. I think like it's a really shit indie tag team, the Flying Doctors. I think probably be... booked by Jim Cornette. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, yeah. Oh dear, excellent stuff. Well, um, go, uh, go uh, on uh, the, yeah. the, the, there's two things kind of on my mind. Um, first of all, WrestleMania is coming. Last year, New Day were guest hosts. The Rock's been a guest host. Do we like the idea of a guest host, and do we think there's going to be one? Well, who would you have it be? That's a great uh, question. And don't, don't say, like, Natalie and Brulia, or someone that's uh, actually been on Neighbours. <laughs> Margot Robbie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like the guest host, so I hope there isn't one. Personally. Well, you brought it up! Don't bring it up, then! <laughs> no, my, 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 my question is, what do you think of the idea? And, and if you like it, then who would you have? <laughs> Let me take this one. Let me take this one because I've got a fairly clear answer on this. Um, there's two types of guest hosts. There's the guest ho- guest hosts that were on Monday Night Raw, which were an abysmal stain on the wrestling industry that um, were a, a sign of the worst period in the history of Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. Dreadful. Then there have been the guest hosts that have been um, WrestleMania hosts. So there's been The Rock, The New Day, like you say. There's been... Um, Kim Kardashian. Mania 30. Let's forget Kim Kardashian for now. I think that when they use wrestlers as guest hosts at WrestleMania, they're only in there for like one segment. And I'd say all those guest host segments that we've just talked about, The New Day, The Rock and Hulk Hogan, have all been pretty damn good. So as long as they're not all over the show, as long as they're just doing one sort of promo to introduce the show or having one little bit during it, I think great. I thought it was a fantastic use of the New Day last year. Instead of shoehorning them into a needless tag team match where they wouldn't have got to show off any of their personality, I thought it really showed that they were a massively important part of the show because, again, they're, they're, they're contemporaries with a rock Hulk Hogan and the New Day being the third wheel, third spoke in that will. I thought it showed great faith in them. I showed, thought it highlighted their personality more than a throwaway match would, and I thought they were really good in the role. So if you've got a reason to have a guest host, fantastic, have one. I think it's brilliant. But if you haven't, then let's not bother. Okay. I'd have Dana White. <laughs> just to set up the inevitable WrestleMania 35 match he's going to have with Vince. Oh, Dana and Brock versus Vince and Cena at WrestleMania 35. <laughs> book it now. Would just booking that match. <laughs> oh, then we'll Shane. Okay, well Shane fills in. That's fine. Shane fills in. Shane and Dana would be a good match. Oh dear lord. Um, yes, I, I. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Um, 
moving on. No, I, I, if, we, if we had to have a guest host for, for WrestleMania 34, so worry, we're in New Orleans. Um, do you know what would be fun to have as a guest host? And again, you won't agree with this, Rob, but Matt Hardy. No, I won't agree with it. Well, are you assuming he's not in a match? Assuming he's not in a match, exactly yeah. right. I, I, I would... I'd say no. I'd say better to not have one. It's a bit of a creepy guest host, isn't it? I'd say better to not have one at all than to have one as, as rubbish as that. But there there are worse people that you could do it with. I would prefer it to be someone that's part of their world than someone that isn't. So, you know, when yes. you have a guest host and it's Rock or Hogan, you know, it's a nod to their history. When you have someone like um, the New Day, someone on the roster that they can utilise for their you know, for their speaking ability. Um, if it's someone outside of the business, unless it's an absolute megastar, I mean, like, who's the hottest property anywhere right now? I mean, you know, if it was someone that was, a, you know, an absolutely... Sorry, what? Honor McGregor. Yeah, okay, well, well, yeah, that's an even, that's an even thornier one, because obviously, as soon as McGregor turns up, you're thinking he's going to have a match and a confrontation, but... You're, you're, you're right though in terms of who would be arguably the biggest I'm not saying right I'll, I'll mention the name I'm not saying particularly him because he'd be rubbish and he wouldn't be able to do the promo but but say David Beckham right everyone would know David Beckham wouldn't they and it's like if you got a David Beckham to do it there might just be a few eyes around the world that liked him enough to go oh wrestling I used to watch that what's on Wrestlemania oh look so and so is wrestling I'll buy it now he'd be crap but it would it might get you eyeballs because Bex is as famous as anyone on the planet. I would let you have that kind of one because the marketing value would be so high. But almost anyone else, unless it would even even that the biggest of film stars, I can't think of a film star ironically other than The Rock. Um, who, well, who you could put in that position. The, the 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 two names who I think are the biggest people in the world right now. Firstly, Oprah, um, and secondly, Trump. Why not Trump? <laughs> All Trump. of Oprah. Hey, listen, Trump. That would be okay. I wouldn't blame them for that one. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. I don't think Oprah. If we're talking about Rob Rob Gronkowski's fans crossing over with WWE fans, I don't think Oprah as a very. I don't think on the Venn diagram. I don't think Oprah, you know, and Zack Ryder come into the same sort of uh, uh, same side of things. I genuinely would not watch WrestleMania if Donald Trump were gone. <laughs> I suspect I'm not the only one. Uh, I, guess think we'll have, to... I think they would, you know, the old controversy creates cash would be, uh, would be, would think, be well into the fore there. I think if you if you look into the history of WWE, they've been very smart for the most part. Vince is obviously a staunch Republican. The way he conducts his business, the way he conducts his personal life, clearly a very staunch Republican and a big supporter of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But Vince, very very careful in the past to make sure that WWE is part is non-partisan political. They're very much down the line. Whenever apart from the very 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 odd exception when politics is involved it's it's very neutral when they did the presidential debates everyone got their say but for the most part politics are completely kept out of WWE because I think that Vince is very very smart in understanding that his audience crosses the divide and because it, it fuels such strong emotions in the US especially nowadays you know, despite his really strong friendship with Donald Trump and his lengthy business relationship, there's been not a mention of the guy on WWE programming um, since he became president, and that is a conscious decision, I'm sure. It's almost too close, isn't it? Because Linda's kind of 
in the cabinet, or oh. at least on the, on you know as part of the team. So I think that's conscious. I would disagree with you to say that they've always kept them kept away from it. But what I think it's a, the thing to do is that it's easier to slag off an opponent that's in than it is to praise an ally that's in. So when the Republicans are in, you know, so Republicans, those who aren't going with American politics, uh, Trump is Republican, George Bush and George Bush Sr. were both Republicans. Um, I don't think we got a lot of hooray for George Bush, but you got a monster amount of Clinton's an asshole. They really went after Clinton a lot in the early in the sort of early raw years. There was at least two pay-per-views, one of which I think was WrestleMania 10, and there was another yeah. pay-per-view where they had the Clinton look-alike, and they were taking the yeah, Mickey but... out of his um, his sexual shenanigans because Sonny was sat on his lap and IRS was behind him investigating his uh, his tax dealings. Uh, Jennifer Flowers was at a le- later WrestleMania. She was one of the acu- the alleged you know mm-hmm. uh, people that Clinton had an affair with. And on Raw, they used to really go on the early days of Raw, I think to try and prove that they were live sometimes, that they'd go with a lot of topical stuff. And they had Rob Bartlett, who was an alleged comedian, and you know would try and do some topical stuff. So they went hard into Clinton in those sort of middle 90s years. So I would disagree with your, they have always been. But if we're talking about modern WWE, which I sense you are, I'm being a bit pedantic, I sense you're talking about sort of corporate era WWE, then I would tend to agree with you there. I think that's probably the point you, you I'm sort of, I'm sort of deliberately miss mistaking you there and I, I realise what you're saying the, the corporate responsible WWE knows pretty much to stay out of it I think yeah that's it Yeah, um, it's a different world to 1992 now and you're right there was there was a different mindset now but yeah they're, they're very very clear that Trump is Trump is not a friend or a foe of WWE on screen but he is a Hall of Famer so um they could, always, they, they could always go to that if they wanted to. Um, no, I, I, don't, I, I don't think there will be a, um, a guest host. I think the guest host thing is, it fits if you've got someone. And I think it's if we want to put The Rock on WrestleMania, we want to put Hogan on WrestleMania, we want to give The New Day something to do, I think that's where you go with it. I don't look up and down the list and think there's someone that must be on Mania do you know the, the nearest person they could do it with they won't because he's been too good over the last little while and he's still involved in stuff they could do it with The Miz you know I'm not saying that they will you know they, and they shouldn't and they're, they're, they're steering towards the icy title stuff so that's fine but they could you know if you wound the clock back a couple of months and changed the booking and took the t- title off him Miz could be host of Wrestlemania because he talks about the whole Hollywood thing especially if you know I don't have they said where they're going to have Wrestlemania next year yet I don't think they have have they but if uh... No, I think it's I think it's going to be New York. Oh really? Really? Again? That's pretty quick, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's going to be it. I, I don't think that's been officially announced yet, but I, I, I understand that's. That's pretty. When when were they last anyway? They a couple of years ago, weren't they? Twenty nine. Six years by the time next year rolls around. Really? As long as that? Wow. Okay. Well, maybe that is a. Maybe that is a shout. Well, they've not been. When was it? Well, they weren't in New Orleans very long ago, were they? So that's a. Uh, that was 30, um, yeah. Yeah, so they've turned 30, that one yeah. around in four years. So, um, where did you go, Paul? Uh, Dallas to the um, the Cowboy Stadium, um, and and it was all right, you know. It was and a mate like the stadium was absolutely overwhelming. But I don't know if Americans see it differently, but for me, it felt like a massive ball ache because the fact is the whole the hotels, the nightlife, the the activities during the during WrestleMania week are all in Dallas, but Cowboy Stadium actually isn't. Cowboy Stadium's 20 miles away from Dallas. Right. Okay. It's, it's 
Dallas and Arlington. There's no public transport. It's an absolute ball ache. Um, it's very different in New Orleans, where the Superdome, I understand, is, is it's not downtown, but it's not a million miles off. And um, with the uh, with the Cowboy, uh, sorry, with the Jets and the Giants Stadium, MetLife Stadium, that's just across the river in New Jersey. There's trains and public transport and all sorts over there. Um, Dallas Stadium is is not a good you know it looked amazing obviously that was the best part of the Wrestlemania 32 the spectacle and how enormous it all looked but it's not fan friendly at all in fact to the point where again this is going to you're going to probably take the piss out of this but there was about eight of us right and we were looking at ways to get from downtown Dallas to the stadium and we figured it out the most cost effective way with all eight of us wasn't to get on the buses that were providing or tax or whatever the most cost effective way was all to rent a stretch limo between us and have him wait there for the duration of WrestleMania and then take us back afterwards. That was literally the most cost-effective option for eight people. The most frequent question I get in life is, why do you call your friend and colleague Showbiz Paul Benson? (laughs) And the answer is because he thinks it's cost-effective to get stretched limos. I hope those of you that have, you know, know, been on the poverty line over the last few years and, you know, maybe the beast from the East has meant you've not had any bread or milk for the last week... (laughs) And you know you're really struggling hand to mouth, and you're thinking, I don't, I, I feel too proud to go to a food bank, but otherwise I don't know how I'm going to feed my eight children. You know, just when you're thinking about it, just think. Paul Benson thinks it's cost effective to get stretch limos in Texas. Okay, man of the people. He's a he's a he's a socialist, you know. Um, anyway, I, 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 I don't want to I don't want to bring politics into it, but Paul votes Labour, and he thinks it's okay to get stretch limos and say that they're cost effective. Champagne socialist, Bollinger, Bollinger Bolshevik, there, Paul Benson. You've made, me, you've made me spit my vintage Pinot Noir all over my uh, expensive top of the range Apple Mac. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I'm trying to think when we when we went to Mania. Uh, me and uh, I think Richard's probably been to several more Manias than me. How many WrestleManias have you been to, Rich? Four. Four, yeah. So that's uh, a lot more than me because I've been to one. But the uh, the one I did go to, uh, you were there as well. Um, we're in, in Houston for 25. I seem to remember that being a, a wee bit out of town, but not. Massively, we 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 got buses and stuff provided, as I recall, and it was maybe was it maybe sort of fifteen twenty minutes. I, I can't really think how long it took us. It, it was a bit of a pain, and I wasn't necessarily there on a media trip as I was in twenty four, where I did actually go to the Hall of Fame in a stretch limo. But um... oh, for goodness' sake! <laughs> <laughs> that that was WWE providing that one. Um, but I... at least I paid for mine. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I remember in, in 25, I, I was there as a, a punter, but I was still doing the odd bit for Sky at the time, I think. And so I got invited to the media dinner where uh, myself and Seamus both got uh, cowboy boots fitted. And, oh, no, or, no, that was the following year. Anyway, uh, I remember just hey, jumping hang on. on. Where did that come from? That's not true. <laughs> Seamus <laughs> wasn't there Seamus wasn't there then was he I don't think uh, no that, sorry you're, you're right that, that was 26 in, in Phoenix before his match against Triple H because oh. I remember talking to him about that before then yeah that was in that was in Phoenix no uh, I, I remember the Houston one being out of town very difficult and I managed to just sneak onto your bus and get a kind of a free trip back but they are normally out of town and, and, and Paul's right it is an absolute nightmare I remember coming back from Wrestlemania 28 in Miami and we were stuck there for hours trying to get taxis and they knew that people were struggling to get back so they were just hiking up the prices four or five times really swines I, I do remember from our Wrestlemania that so that might have been a bit of a, a problem but everything else 
took place around us. I, I, did, did you? Were you in the same hotel as me? I can't remember where you stayed, but um, we, I stayed in the Hilton, which was right next, literally next to uh, the arena where Raw was and where the Hall of Fame was. I, I gone. I stayed at a hotel further away from where you were, um, mainly because I heard it was a, a really cool hotel and it, it was lovely. And apparently, it's where all the celebrities would hang out. And we were there about three, four days before the um, before WrestleMania. And every night we'd pop into the bar to see if there was anyone famous. Every night the bar was dead. The last night we were there, the night of WrestleMania, we decided not to go in the bar. The next day. Um, because the, the hotel provided because the hotel wasn't in a central area they'd also provide like a driver to take you five miles like a free taxi service so on our, our last day having not gone to the bar that last night we get in the car and the driver says to us oh did you go to the bar last night we said no 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 oh Kid Rock was there partying after doing his set at Wrestlemania he was there all, all night models and everything it was amazing so that's what you miss out that's what you miss out on when you're not at the bar but of course the following year you were hanging out with Seamus and people said to you did you go to the bar last night and you said no we are the bar and that's how that all, <laughs> exactly. that's how that all started and I think if you ask Seamus he'll tell you that exact that same story to, that doesn't compare to our night in Weatherspoons after the WWE UK tournament uh, the, oh, yeah. I don't really remember too much about that I'll be honest <laughs> Well, going way back to a story I told earlier on in the show was that um, the fact that me and me and Rich um, uh, met for the first time in that Earl's Court show. I'm fairly certain you came back to my hotel. And we had a beer in the bar there, but it was Earl's Court is so cosmopolitan that the hotel that I was staying in, which I think was a, oh, I won't say it was a Ramada. I don't think that's right now. Um, might have been uh, an Ibis. It had an English bar in it. Like, do you know if you go to America and they do English bars and they're or a Spanish airport or something, it might have a pub called like the John Bull or something like that, and they they try and be all over the top English with pictures of taxis and phone boxes and, and all that kind of stuff. I went to one of them in England. Mm. <laughs> it was the strangest thing, an English theme bar in England. I was like, this is very strange. That's where I seem to recall we had a beer after that uh, that particular Earl's Court show. Um, but no, going back to the the Houston thing, the, literally the hotel was over the road from the uh, uh, the Hall of Fame and Raw. Um, do you remember we went to that Booker T convention thing? Uh, ah, yeah. I think that was... Uh, Chris Nowinski stood on a chair giving a speech to about three people about concussions. He did, that's right. He did. So I, remember, <laughs> I remember making a very cruel joke, which was that he, Chris Nowinski was literally walking around the room, tapping people on the shoulder and saying... By the way, I'm going to be doing a talk in a little bit about concussions. Literally, he was doing that, walking around the room telling people. And I, I remember telling Rich, Rich and his brother, Matt, I'm desperate when he comes over and taps us on the shoulder. When he says, I'm going to do this thing on concussions, I'm going to say to him, mate, you just told us that like five minutes ago. I don't know if your memory's going. <laughs> might, have been a, might have been a shade cruel. I don't know. But uh, possibly. But that's, I remember that being a, uh, a fun little gimmick that was going on just next to it. But I'm sorry, I'd love to go back because... That was when WrestleMania was really starting to get into the kind of um, the sort of festival. You know, WrestleMania was was a show, and there was a couple of things around it, but it really started to become this, you know, this Edinburgh-like thing of so many other things around it. I think there might have been a Ring of Honor show going on then, and there was a little convention. But now it's so mega. You know, I'm I'm really keen to go back at some point in the next couple of years just to experience the the festival nature. I wonder if there are people that go to WrestleMania now and don't actually go to WrestleMania. If you see what I'm saying. 
Mm. Yeah, there there was a Ring of Honor show because I remember when I got my ticket, I was on the escalator and I had a good chat with Daniel Bryan. And oh he yes, was an absolutely oh, yeah. amazing guy. You're right. I was with you, and I because I had shared a taxi with him about three week uh, three months earlier uh, in Wolverhampton, and I said, "Do you remember that?" And he went, "No." <laughs> no, 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 no memory of it whatsoever. But so, uh, now there are there are so many different shows at um, at WrestleMania. Even Progress are going over there and doing their own shows. I think it is quite likely that people do go over there and and don't even watch WrestleMania. I mean, and now you've got things like you know, Jim Ross will take his one man show, and we've mentioned Bruce Pritchard doing shows. They'll do things over there, and of course you've got your your WWE add-ons like Access and. NXT and, and all that kind of thing so um, I just think it's a fantastic thing for the wrestling business that you can and I don't think it's you know a shameful thing to do by any means to you know to tag on to tailgate I think is the uh, the, uh, the appropriate Americanism to uh, to say that's what you would do to those kind of uh, events I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty cool thing to do really and I think it's a good thing for wrestling and if you've got WWE fans that are in town and you will have you know 60, 70, 80,000 of them in town and they might go and sample some indie stuff or some things outside of the normal WWE bubble that they won't normally see. That can only be uh, can only be good for business, I think. Overwhelming agreement there. Um, I'm nodding. That's what I said. I'm a, I'm a, to be fair, I should have thrown it at someone. But you're both being ultra polite. So I'll uh, I'll say to Paul. Paul, would you would you say that your WrestleMania experience from going? Let me see. What would it be now? Be four years ago? Then three years ago? Whatever it was. Um, two years ago, any advance? Um, when, whenever it was, would you would you recommend it um, as a you know to various different there'd be different types of wrestling fans so that the the group of lads together or the couple as as it was after you went with your wife who very kindly went to WrestleMania with you even though she's not a wrestling fan but I think she still had a good time. Um, you know, would you recommend who would you recommend it to? Who is the the, the right person for WrestleMania? Because not everyone would. Some people would you know consider it to be a, a lavish expense. Would go over. Would say I'm miles away from the ring. I can see it better on TV, and I wouldn't really take any in indie stuff. And they would, you know, consider it a wasted time. Whereas others would, you know, happily, you know, spend their hard-earned dollar on on catching five wrestling shows and then getting to rub shoulders with the stars. So, what's your recommendation to people if uh, if they want to go to Mania one day? Yeah, I think uh, it, for every wrestling fan, it's a rite of passage to go to WrestleMania. Especially nowadays when there is so much going on, you can just go and throw yourself into wrestling for a whole weekend. Like my experience was was brilliant and overwhelming and amazing because I've never done it before and I maybe will never do it again. I maybe didn't do it in the best way. Um, you know, I went with my wife. It was amazing that she allowed us to do it, but she was under I was under strict instructions. It was WrestleMania and that's it. To the point where I got given free NXT takeover tickets. The one where it was Nakamura against Sami Zayn, and I had to give them away. Um, that's a bit of a bugbear. But to be in that city when WrestleMania is on, I don't know if it was like it when you guys went, but now it's just it's just incredible. The whole city is WrestleMania mm. for that weekend, and you feel like you're amongst. Yeah, it's like being at our parties on a much bigger scale. You feel like you're just surrounded by your fellow wrestling fans, which is a, a ridiculously rare experience for us in the UK especially. I'd say if you can afford it and you're a fan, you have to go at least once. You owe it to yourself to go at least once. Go when it's in a great city. Like this year would have been brilliant for New Orleans. Next year from New York would be fantastic. Um, go when it's in Orlando. Um, pick your moment, but my God, it's just, you know, I went when it was the worst WrestleMania 
for at least 10 years and I still had an amazing time so imagine if I can't possibly fathom what it would have been like it would have been a good card um, so yeah everyone has to go to Wrestlemania at least once if you can yeah, and if you can't come to a Hooked on Wrestling party hooked oh on Re- I love that and we'll very very shortly be telling you a little bit more about that Le- legitimately it is the next best thing that is not even a just a stupid marketing thing it is there is not a better thing that you could do to watch Wrestlemania you, you think it'll be getting your mates around and having a couple of beers you think it'll be watching it uh, on your own after work on the Monday it ain't it's to come to one of our things and we will tell you a little bit more about that uh, in just a wee second um, but uh, I, I, I agree with you in terms of the, the experience I wish I wish to an extent because I, I didn't I didn't fall in love with Houston um, as a city um, sorry to any of our Houstonian listeners but uh, I found it quite quite sterile and quite boring quite frankly but then at the same time I was there to do wrestling stuff and I probably didn't have time to go around sightseeing I flew in on the Thursday flew out on the Tuesday so there was only really time to you know take in all of the wrestling stuff we had a schedule that we were sticking to Rich mentioned there was a media dinner we did that on the uh, Friday night then the Hall of Fame was Saturday went to Access I think Saturday afternoon went to Wrestlemania Sunday so and more raw Monday night so it was it was kind of laid out for us we had a little bit of time to go and pop into the uh, the convention I mentioned before but uh, it was generally speaking uh, we had a a bit of a a certain amount of things that we could we could do and, and that was really it so there was no real time to do the sightseeing thing I suppose you could make sure you get in uh, that a little bit earlier but yeah the, the city was definitely awash with wrestling fans you know I'm, I'm not suggesting for a second that TNA pretended that uh, Bound for Glory was, was like Wrestlemania but the TNA shows that I'd been to in uh, in Chicago and in, and in California were brilliant and I got to see parts of Chicago and California but then when you, you sat in a bar next to someone they were almost certainly going to be from Chicago or California it's quite weird to go all around the, around the world at Houston to sit at a bar turn to, turn to the bloke next to you and talk to him and it turns out he's from Coventry um, And because it seems to me that the only people that were there for Wrestlemania other than the Americans were the Brits I mean I know that they always say oh, there's people that come from 25 countries and whatever but if they weren't American they were British from what I could tell in the in Houston, and from what I can understand, as time's gone on, it's even more a uh, you know a sort of British takeover. And I think you can tell that on the Monday night with the uh, the people that get the tickets on the night after Mania. There's all the football chants and and whatever goes on. I think uh, I think the British impact or the British invasion, let's call it, is uh, um, has been quite you know quite noticeable at WrestleMania. I think that's what makes the Monday Night Raw afterwards because I think it is an arena filled with British people giving the same atmosphere like they do at the O2 and they're the ones which sway the crowd and and become the most raucous night because WrestleMania is such a big place, it's a big open stadium that the sound doesn't stay in but it does in those smaller arenas and and that's what I think makes it amazing. Speaking of that, of the O2, we were at Raw together uh, just after the Wrestle... What WrestleMania was the whole Fandango stuff? I'm not very good with numbers. Was that about 29, was it? Something like that? Yeah, I think that was the New York one as well. Yeah, well, I, we, do you remember being at Raw after that? I mean, we, would, we were definitely at Raw together, or near enough together, at, uh, uh, when all the Fandang, Fandangoing was going on at the O2. That was, uh, that was quite, uh, quite the, uh, the, the happening, as, as Gorilla Monsoon would say. I'm, I'm not sure if I was there, but I do just. Oh, you pick were. Up... So I swear you were, because I'm sure you and Matt were trying to start a Mexican wave in behind you. <laughs> that could be the case at, at yeah. many uh, wrestling yeah. events. So. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my uh, recollection, anyway. But um, 
what was your, so the, of the four that you went to? What was your your best WrestleMania experience? Um, I love twenty four. It was my first. You always remember your first, and but ultimately seeing Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 25 it's the greatest match of all time mm. being there I refuse to watch it back on DVD or the network or anything else because I never want to take away the moment that I felt when I was there leave so. the memories alone as they said yeah. at WrestleMania 24 <laughs> yeah incredible that was uh, that was pretty special yeah I think there is something to say listen I don't think it's a uh... A Billy Big Time thing to say because that's not where we're coming from. But there is there is something about saying I was there, you know, and knowing that you were in the building because as as was I in Houston for that match. Perhaps we're biased towards that match because we were there. But when something happens and it's in front of you, um, you know, it must have been really cool for the people that saw the title change happen over in, in this in this country. Was that earlier this year or towards the end of last year? You know, um, you know, to for that to happen over here and it was so unprecedented and. You know all the people that um, you know. I think there was something like 450,000 people at Wembley Stadium, given the amount of people that have told me that they've been there over the years, um, including someone that's on the line here. Um, you know, just I would imagine, Paul, do you have that sort of similar sort of thing with Brett and Bulldog? I mean, I you I know you were a lot younger than Rich and I would have been going to WrestleMania to watch Sean and, and Taker, but I bet you have that same sort of feeling with WrestleMania. Uh, sorry, with SummerSlam '92 without a shadow of a doubt it's, it's, it still ranks as the greatest day of my life um, in comparison it was just, there's never been such oh, an overwhelming happy anniversary Sal when it comes up by the way no no no, no. Like, I, I've been completely honest about this in the past like in terms of the sheer joy I felt um, the joy I felt as a 10 year old at SummerSlam watching that match outranks and outstrips anything I felt as an adult be it wedding or birth of my child or anything that's just the truth um, obviously it's, it's not the most important day of my life far from it but it, it, but the sheer emotions nothing's come close um, and that Brett Bulldog match stands out to me as the greatest match ever exactly because of it um, you know I, I did watch it back on Sky or VHS or whatever I thought for ages that match finished with the running power slam I actually passed out according to my dad after that um, while, that, so while that power slam was happening I, the emotion overcame me so much that I passed out and only came round after the Bulldog had won <laughs> wow so for months I thought that it was a power slam one two three over it's only when I watched it back on VHS that I saw Brett kick out the power slam I was like what <laughs> that didn't happen um, and then we got another two or three minutes after that it, it was uh, I can't wait my little boy's just getting into wrestling now like he doesn't watch matches but I bought him a sticker book and honestly I can sit there in bed and the amount of names he can name I say how many wrestlers do you know Samuel and he sits there and reels off John Cena, Roman Reigns, Undertaker, Braun Strowman, which makes him incredibly proud, Alexa Bliss, and then he goes, Johnny Gargano. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, what about Trevor Danger? He doesn't know Trevor Danger yet. Oh. You know, he's, his old man's mate is Trevor Danger. Honestly, he reels more. And then there's a load more he can reel off. If I tell him his first name, he'll re he'll reel off the second name. It's anyway, I'm just getting proud, Daddy, at the moment. But no, I tell I you what. No, 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 no. Don't apologise for this. We have talked about Samuel is like is is a bigger star than you or I on this podcast. More, pe <laughs> more people after the podcast send us messages or tweet us going, "Oh, we like Samuel stories." So I'm going to do another one. Right? You may have heard from time to time, Paul and I try to do accents on this podcast and tr fail or deride each other for being terrible at it um, is it true Paul <laughs> from what you told me the other day that, yeah. uh, can you tell your taking Samuel to bed the other night story please 
<laughs> so we've got this little um, routine where we look on his map or his globe and we look for a country and when we go to bed I tell him a little bit about the country whether it's Germany or Canada or Australia or whatever and then last night he asked to be told about Scotland but he's a big Thomas the Tank Engine fan and when he when we read this book um, called Thomas Goes Crash there's a cameo if anyone knows Thomas the Tank Engine from when they were a kid there's two Scottish engines called Donald and Douglas and I made the mistake once of reading out their lines in a Scottish accent which he loved so now when I came to tell him about Scotland last night he stopped me just after I started he says Daddy can you use the Scottish accent to tell this story so he made me tell the whole story in a Scottish accent all about Scotland he made me tell him everything about Scotland in a Scottish accent and he was laughing his balls off about it he was laughing he thought it was the funniest thing ever to the point where when I said goodnight we did this little routine where we go na night sleep tight don't let the bed bugs bite and all that and he made me tell him that in a Scottish accent <laughs> <laughs> and then when I left the room and when I leave the room, I always stand by the door to make sure he's settled down properly. I heard him talking to himself in his version of a Scottish accent. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Now, this is what it's all come down to. There is a reason I've asked you this. Was Samuel's Scottish accent, or indeed yours, better or worse than Rory of the Highlanders? <laughs> His was better, mine is worse. Okay, that's a, that's a very, very uh, strong and diplomatic answer. Um, uh, this is a boy on the... Uh, we should, we'll do a podcast extra in which we talk about how uh, Samuel taught Paul the meaning of the word homophone this week, uh, which was uh, led to great entertainment on, uh, on Paul's Facebook page, but we don't want to go too much into make this into a Samuel Benson special, even if he is a... A little rock star, mate. When he starts to watch wrestling, we are just going to have to get him on the podcast because it will be so. I have literally, literally, and I mean this. This is hand on heart, one hundred percent true. For years, said that when wrestlers come up, well, not wrestlers, when wrestling writers come up with angles, shows, booking ideas, they should run it past a six-year-old child because six-year-old children would, would will say to them, "That doesn't make sense." They will just yeah. bluntly, to their face, go, that doesn't make any sense. Like, John Cena saying, oh, there's no way I've got a route to WrestleMania. A six-year-old will go, well, there's loads of people that wrestle at WrestleMania. Just ask someone for a match. They got a match. And that is literally what they would do. And then and then the writers would have to go, oh, yeah, um, he's right. And then they might come up with something different. I'm perfectly aware that about 45 minutes ago, I said what a good job they've done in writing Cena for WrestleMania. <laughs> Generally speaking, I think they have done. That's my one little issue, was his... My scratchy head. Where's my match? Because we're actually probably just going to go on. Anyone want a match? And then they give him one. But uh, um, aside from that, you know, so, Rob, suspension yeah, of disbelief in that. Let me make this a challenge, then, mate. If you can get like, if you can get, when we put this podcast out tomorrow or whatever, and we put the link out, if you can get me a hundred shares of this podcast, I'll get Samuel on get Samuel on as a guest next week. No, because no, because we want him as a guest. We can get him as guests. He's your son. That's not, that's, not, that's not like you just said to me that I've got some sort of famous mate. And if I, if you can get hundred, oh, Rob, Rob knows, you know, so and so. If Rob gets a hundred shares, then he'll get his famous mate, so and so on. It's your son. How does that work? You'll put your son on the podcast. If I get a hundred, what a load of rubbish. No chance. Paul, I, Paul, I, I like to raise the stakes. Well, if you can get 200 shares, we'll get Tom Oliver, Luke Carpenter on the podcast. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, no, well, I think um, who would be uh, who would who would be actually go to that length for though to actually try and get it shared? I think I think you might you might have to get us Annalise. I think, although I, <laughs> although I suppose she'd be outside. You got she'd add, add you add twenty add in twenty years to her there, don't you? I don't know who else would be uh, who would be right up there, but. Uh, do you remember Pepper? She was very nice, wasn't she? Yeah, Pepper on 400 shares for her. Anyway, we're, we're, way, off, we're, way, off, we're way off topic. Um, but, think we're to now. Yes, I think we probably could do. Um, but uh, the one last thing I want to say about the um, the WrestleMania experience, we, we've talked about our own WrestleManias. We kind of didn't plan on doing that, but it's kind of it's how it's gone. Um, do you think? Um, in the network era, you know, there's a different different way of doing subscriptions. There's a different way of building to everything now. Do you think WrestleMania is the same to them that it used to be? In the sense that, you know, so many things built to that, and it used to be going for a million buys and all that kind of thing. Do you think that they've deliberately tried to sort of smooth things out over the course of the year? Because at other times of the year, you get these sort of bigger matches that, at times, you go, "Wow, this could be a." This could be a WrestleMania match that they're happy to give away at a certain other time. But do you think WrestleMania doesn't quite have, you know, as a match it, as a show itself have the glean that it used to? It's more about the occasion because you feel that it's going to sell out or not sell out based on on the city and on the general buzz for wrestling, not on the card. You know, we don't even you, know, you don't even officially know that any of the matches that are going to be on the card when the tickets are released, however many months previously. You know, so I'm going to you first, Paul. Do you, do you think? As, have I got a point now, or do you think there is still that that WrestleMania is still the thing? No, I think it's a very different animal to what it was even just a few years ago. Um, WrestleMania, um, I would say WrestleMania's heyday was probably between WrestleMania 17 and maybe 24. Um, it was when WrestleMania was really a showcase of what WWE had been doing throughout the year. It's when the feuds culminated. It's when they coronated new stars. It was a really important night as a wrestling night. It's very different now. It's a spectacle for the mainstream. It's the one night where it's, you know, wrestling is basically given to the wider population. And I've not got a problem with that. I think it's the one night where they throw the doors open and say to the people who aren't wrestling fans, come and enjoy it. It's a spectacle. It's not just what you see every week. It's not Raw. It's not SmackDown. It's not SummerSlam. It's not Survivor Series. It's just pop culture. And I think people like that, especially in nowadays where people have got the mainstream has got such a small, short attention span. When you're looking at Facebook videos and everything else, and everything's so kitsch and, and and niche, I think people like the fact that they can have that one night where they can be wrestling fans, and it makes massive sense for WWE. But I think on the flip side of that, us as wrestling fans probably have to come to terms with the fact that WrestleMania isn't the be-all and end-all for us anymore. It's not for us. It's for WWE as a mainstream property. I'd say they still give us those nights. I'd say SummerSlam as should or has become sort of our night, uh, or maybe Royal Rumble. But no, WrestleMania means something very different now. I think to a lot of wrestling fans, it's it's oh don't get me wrong, it's still a fantastic, entertaining spectacle, and it's you know it's when we can all celebrate ourselves. But we have to share it, and we have to understand that it's not just us following and following up on the stories that we've invested in for the last 12 months it has to be accessible to people who've not watched wrestling since Wrestlemania the previous year Fair dues, Rich how do you follow that up? 
Uh, I'm not sure if I fully agree because I still think that they do gear everything towards WrestleMania, the whole road to WrestleMania. I think it is when they want to put on their best show. I think they do have a balancing act of, yes, we want to make it open to other people who wouldn't normally watch that's why they get celebrities to sing the national anthem that's why they try and get the rock back that's why they have got ronda rousey involved this year and obviously she's now going to do more stuff with them but maybe i'm talking about when she made that first appearance a few years ago um i think what's happened though is that when we were speaking earlier about wrestlemania becoming um more of like an edinburgh an event with all the different things they've got so as NXT, such as Hall of Fame, Raw, SmackDown, they do it in all one town. WWE has realized that's quite a successful business model that we don't have to go all over the country. We can still do Raw and SmackDown in the same place. We can add an NXT show. We can do an access. We can charge them a lot of money just to get an autograph and a picture. And I think they're starting to do that model at SummerSlam. They've been doing SummerSlam for a few years, but now also at the Rumble and at Survivor Series. So they've kind of almost gone back to that classic Big Four mentality of let's make these events where people from the UK and elsewhere will come to it and enjoy it. Uh, I particularly thought SummerSlam last year was very much more like the old school WWE WrestleManias in the fact that pretty much all their top guys, all the main people, um, you know, if you go back to Hogan, Hogan would always win at a WrestleMania. All the top faces would normally win. That's what it felt like at SummerSlam last year. Cena won, Sasha Banks won. Um, all these people were kind of winners and that's how I felt that went I think we're just lucky that there is so much great talent in the WWE the roster is so deep that that's why we're getting these dream matches at other places because even if you look at the the card now for Wrestlemania this Sunday no, not this Sunday in a few weeks time they've got too much talent and they don't know what to do they're having to shoehorn things in and I think that's why we're getting better things at other events just a very quick one because I've, I've mentioned this before I might have mentioned it in the build up to last year's Mania I don't really think it's going to happen but then I was probably talking six or seven years ago about there being a women's Royal Rumble I didn't think it was ever going to happen and, and yet here we are do you think they could ever do Wrestlemania to make it a two night thing I honestly think there's something in Wrestlemania Saturday Wrestlemania Sunday two nights splitting it into two nights like you would have like we talked about Glastonbury Glastonbury isn't one day you know a lot of music festivals aren't one-day festivals, are they? You have headliners on each night. You know, there's something going on. I'm perfectly aware that they have Hall of Fame and NXT, but you can still work that around different things. Is there any possibility at one point they could do make a two-night WrestleMania, Paul? I think, I think they could, and I think more, more to the point, I think it'd be fairly easy to do because I think they could essentially have two different WrestleManias with two different audiences. You could almost have the um, the rest. Again, it, it feeds back to what I was saying on my when you last came to me. You can have the wrestling fans WrestleMania that, like, if we took this year for example, would be headlined by Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles. You, um, you know, you'd have the Usos against the New Day on there. You could have Rusev against, uh, I don't know, Bobby Roode on there, whatever. And then you could have the next day's WrestleMania, which was the spectacle, and that would maybe the one that the mainstream got into. So you'd have Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns. You'd have Ronda Rousey and. Stephanie McMahon you'd have those ones that were, that were mainstream big matches and I think you could have two nights of Wrestlemania that were two very different animals but equally as important to slightly different audiences I think I actually think it will happen in, in time not next year not the year after but I think in time that's inevitable because I do see 
WrestleMania becoming a festival. Like you say, you know, WWE are going to bring these things in house. All these guys that are taking over um, the cities that they're in, WWE are smart and they're going to bring these activities in house. What they might, I'm not saying they're going to own the companies, but they're going to say, okay, guys, you know, give us X amount of your revenue and we'll promote the thing for you. Um, and it could become an all-encompassing wrestling festival. I think it'd be absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, I think part of that could be two WrestleManias in one year. I actually think that the, the, you could you could move the Hall of Fame. I know it might sound like it's a little bit of um, sacrilege, but you could do double ma- double Mania Saturday Sunday. Keep NXT Friday Mania Saturday Mania Sunday, and move the Hall of Fame to the Rumble or to SummerSlam. Actually, SummerSlam I quite like, especially if they were going to keep because they, they seem to keep SummerSlam somewhere, don't they? So they've kept it. You know, in in uh, Los Angeles for many years at the Staples Center, and now they're keeping it at Brooklyn. Um, I kind of like the idea of the Hall of Fame having a home, especially if it's in New York, in which is you know WWE would have been in, in the old days referred to as just New York. I, I quite like the idea of the Hall of Fame being in the same place every year. You know, a bit like the Oscars tend to be, you know, sort of similar sort of venues. So you could you know have an awards ceremony in the same spot and do it at SummerSlam. I think that would be quite a nice way of doing it because I think it'd be a bit overkill to go, you know. Wrestle, you know, because you, you, you'd be going from Thursday, wouldn't you? You'd be going Thursday Hall of Fame or Thursday NXT, Friday Hall of Fame, Saturday WrestleMania, Sunday WrestleMania, Monday Night Raw, Tuesday Night SmackDown. Goodness me, you would li- literally be having Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but you have six nights in a row. You know, that's you know, we're getting you know very very extraordinary now. But I mean, it's I do think it's possible, and I think I think it's just formed what I'm going to write as my uh, and my feature Sun article next week, and uh, we'll uh, see what the uh, the people out there think and we can um, claim it's our idea when it actually happens which is uh, what of course yeah. I was doing with the uh, the Mix Max challenge when that uh, that appeared about what would you say Paul about two months after I mentioned it on here uh, I don't think it was even that mate I think uh, I think it was it was very uh, Triple H was right on it as soon as he heard the podcast mate he was there straight away pitching to Facebook he's a big fan of this podcast is, is Triple H despite the fact that Paul slagged him off every week um, pop, pop. For a long, long time, slagged him off. Obviously, you didn't now, because you, you've you've seen the error of your ways. Um, but uh, Paul and even, even even Dean Dean Ayer said something nice about Triple H last week. It was that reminded me of that bit in uh, Forty Towers where they say a satisfied customer we should have him stuffed. I wanted to record that bit and just re- repeat it every week for posterity when Dean Ayer said something nice about Triple H. But uh, quite extraordinary. Anyway, we uh, we need to wrap this up, or otherwise it will be uh, we will already be into fast lane and we'll be uh, uh, sitting in that service station ignoring the uh, the fast traffic going past us. But uh, um, while while, I'm, while we've got you, uh, Rich, what are you up to at the moment? Tell us where people can come and find you, both uh, on social media, online, and uh, at various different outlets. Uh, working a lot on the Best in the World with Rich Parr podcast for I speak to World and Olympic champions. My latest episode is with Derek Redmond. You might remember he limped off in the 1992 Olympics. Very much John Cena, never give up story there. It's amazing stuff. Also got to speak to the uh, cyclist Fabian Cancellara this week, so that'll be out in a few weeks. All of that's on iTunes, Stitcher, everything like that. Sportachino.com is the home of all of my sports stuff. And just follow me on Twitter at Richard underscore Parr. Lovely stuff. That's part of two arts, of course. Um, Paul, just uh, just finally on the uh, on the parties, um, just give us again a uh, a bit of a rundown of how people can get their uh, get their tickets to the Hooked on Wrestling version of WrestleMania. Which, as I said earlier, if you can't make it to WrestleMania this year, um, why sit and watch it on your own? Why just have a couple of mates around uh, when you can go to a Hooked on Wrestling party? There will be dozens, if not scores, if not hundreds 
of people uh, at a venue near you uh, that you can watch it. Uh, you can you can have a beer. You can. Uh, play some games, you can uh, join in our competitions, you can do a quiz, you can listen to wrestling themes and most importantly you can watch Wrestlemania itself. It's a fantastic night, uh, they're going from strength to strength and if you're unsure about them or well, the very fact that we started by doing this uh, in a small bar in London with about 80 people on about three weeks notice, that was five or six years ago and now we are running 23 different, is that right Paul, 23? events. 23 different events, uh, not only across the UK but now in Canada and we will be celebrating our uh, Canadian expansion more as the weeks go on. Um, but um, you know, we must be doing something right even if we may pat ourselves on the back. So uh, I'll let Paul tell you uh, how you can get involved once more. Yep, very simply guys, if you want to watch wrestling how you're supposed to watch wrestling and not sat on your own in your, ho in your home, in your bed watching on the TV network, Get involved. Go to facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling for more information. Click our events tab and you'll see all 23 of the events. I can guarantee you there's one very close to you, unless you live in East Anglia. We haven't got that sorted yet. Or frankly, yeah, all, all, down, all down my way in the southwest. But, um, oh, uh, mate. In Bournemouth, that's close enough. Um, it, we don't do, two hours from me. We don't do I... well with the extremities, do we? We don't do well with the extremities. But apart from that, if you're living in the spine of the UK, you'll be fine you'll be close to a hooked on events party facebook.com forward slash HO wrestling get your tickets from ringsideworld.co.uk um, we're on twitter as well at twitter.com forward slash HO underscore wrestling um, just come along get involved it's only a few quid I can guarantee as a wrestling fan it'll be the most fun time you've ever had watching a pay-per-view outside of a stadium you know the fact that we have fans that have been with us from the very start and do not stop and come with us loyally we get new fans every single time the word of mouth we do is incredible I think it speaks for itself I know I'm biased but it is the best way to watch WWE in the UK come along enjoy yourselves become part of our extended family we can't wait to see you there will be something and this is not an exaggeration there will be something in the region of four or five thousand people uh, at our uh, combined shows at WrestleMania coming up. Um, it will be our biggest event ever, um, and as Paul says, a lot of those will be repeat customers that come back time and time again because they have such great fun. Hey, and that isn't just us. That's about the the people breeding the people because we have such great people that come along to our shows. There's no trouble. There's no heckling. There's no you know. It, it's just a really enjoyable. We are our motto, and we've done it from day one of Hooked on Wrestling. Is it's wrestling. Enjoy it. And that is what people do. People come along and they enjoy their night, both pre the show and during the show. You can come along, you can have a drink, you can have a sing song. As long as it doesn't get out of hand, which it almost never does, it's just so much fun. So um, if you're not sure, here's what I always say, if you're not sure, stop by our social media, particularly on Facebook, drop into our Facebook group. Um, by the way, we've got big plans for our Facebook. There's going to be much more going on as, as, as time goes on in terms of uh, how we're going to be interacting on there. But uh, I think that's more of a post-mania thing. Stay tuned. Um, but if you come to our Facebook page and land on it and just say hi guys I'm new to Hooked On not sure whether they come to the parties or not what do you think and the people will tell you not me and Paul who are obviously biased but the people will say this is why you should come and they will because our, you know, our Hooked On uh, family as I like to call them um, really do uh, get behind us and, and support the initiatives and so they will tell you not us so uh, one last time Paul for the, uh, for the, uh, the sites and the social media 
Yep, so tickets, guys, from ringsideworld.co.uk or hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store. Um, and then social media, Facebook is um, facebook.com forward slash hooked on, uh, sorry, HO Wrestling. And Twitter is HO underscore wrestling. Fabulous stuff. Um, so, Fastlane uh, is coming up very soon. Uh, we will watch that this Sunday, no doubt. Uh, on the podcast next week we'll have a little chat about what we thought about that and then we are full into Wrestlemania mode it'll only be four weeks away uh, so we will be intending to pretty much talk about nothing other than Wrestlemania uh, over the next four weeks or so gearing ourselves up for the big day it's looking to be pretty decent card and I'm sure as the time gets nearer we will get more and more excited about that uh, thanks so much to uh, Richard Path being a, once again uh, an excellent guest on the podcast make sure you follow him uh, his Best in the World podcast is available, as he said, uh, and Sportachino, which you can find online. So search for them and uh, make sure you support those. Uh, thank you once again to uh, my old mate showbiz, Paul Benson. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you listen to this on the uh, on Friday, uh, then you can watch the Bama event on Friday night. Where, Paul? Oh, yeah. Well, thanks, Rob. So, yeah, you can watch that on ITV4 at 9.30 and we're also going to put all the highlights um, directly onto Hooked On's Facebook page so you can carry uh, follow them on there there you go so well, that's uh, the uh, the British uh, mixed martial arts uh, equivalent of the of the UFC which is growing from strength to strength despite the fact that they've hired Paul Benson but uh, I'm sure uh, <laughs> no, in, all, in all seriousness it's, uh, it's a great enthusiasm of Paul's and it's uh, a cool little company which is really growing so if that's your kind of thing uh, then that's on on Friday night and it's on like Paul said ITV4 so you've got uh, a nice uh, uh, terrestrial way of watching uh, and just finally I just want to quickly say uh, to uh, one of my best mates in the entire world uh, who's also been a previous guest on the show and will definitely be one in the future as well to uh, my old mate Joel Ross there from uh, from Heart Breakfast uh, congratulations mate on the uh, arrival of your second one this week hope everything's going uh, terrifically well and hope to be able to see you soon that's just a little personal point but I just wanted to uh, mention that as well but to everyone else uh, thank you so much uh, for listening once again to the show uh, remember you can see a preview of Fastlane uh, written by me Paul and Rich uh, which will be on the Suns website from uh, some point on Friday certainly into the weekend before Fastlane so if you want some of our more intimate thoughts about how the show will pan out match by match and a couple of little predictions and that is where you can find them but apart from that thank you so much for listening and just remember it is wrestling enjoy it We'll see you very soon.